0: Meanwhile, at the What's on Joe Mind hand sanitizer dispensary.
1: I want to send people pictures of my face and how angry I am throughout the day. I might just start posting that in the What's on Joe Mind group.
2: People be like, is that an emoji? And they're like, no, that's in a Joji.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like that. See? <laughs> All right, I have my no gonna... beverage ready. All
0: right, we're going to start something there. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to What's on Joe Mind. This is episode 123. We're a fan cast about the world of G.I. Joe. Just past our ninth anniversary. Finished up the virtual JoeCon a couple of weeks ago. So we took a little break in there. I'm your venerable and long suffering host, Mike Irizarry. With me this evening, the Honcho, Mark Weber. I'm tired. And what
2: time is it? It's hard to tell. I keep the windows all, you know, trash can, trash bagged up to prevent the sun from coming in. So sometimes I don't even know what time of day it is.
0: It's the discount blackout curtains.
2: That's what I'm talking about. It's where classy meets cheap.
1: <laughs> I That's thought right. you were doing El Honcho tonight.
2: That's right where I live. Oh yeah, and, and for our Spanish friends.
1: El honcho. And
3: honcho.
2: Not to be confused with El Jefe. Totally different thing.
0: On the mailbox out in front of his house it says Los Hanchos Which is Spanish El for de
2: Miguel. No way.
0: Which is Spanish for the honchos.
2: I am El Nino. <laughs> One of my favorite sketches ever. One of those kinds that comes to mind and then it takes an hour to find it online. (laughs) SNL stuff is so hard to find sometimes.
0: If it's not what they're pushing at you that particular moment, yeah, it it can be tough.
1: Man.
0: Uh, You've already heard her also joining us this evening, the lovely and talented, Joe Colton.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: It's hard to follow up Chris Farley as El Nino.
1: Right? like I don't have a nickname. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you gave yourself your own nickname. Only you called it a professional alias.
1: <laughs> yes, professional
0: alias. Nobody needs to know that your real name is actually Mary Worth, just like the comic strip. Correct. That didn't work nearly so well as a cosplay alias either.
1: Mm-mm.
0: No. Does that
2: mean yeah. she lives in apartment three D? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Her neighbor in three E is Brenda Starr, reporter. <laughs>
2: I liked when they put those all together on the comic page so I could just I could just wipe that part and the family circle out all together. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I could skip page three. Okay. On to <laughs> Motley's crew. And finally this evening joining us on a special return engagement to the hallowed halls of the What's On Joe Mine compound. In the fourth chair. Gary Godso is with us this evening.
3: Woo-hoo. It is day 50, week 10 of the
4: world in crisis.
0: <laughs> He's going to play with that oh all boy. night, isn't he?
4: Hi, We've, everyone.
0: We made no, a mistake coming here, did
4: Thanks for having me. Do this, this one more time. Last one night only.
1: <laughs> the the voiceover thing or the you being here? Because I doubt it's the the last time you're going to do that voice thing.
3: (laughs) Oh, no. No, no, no. We are going to do the voice thing. We have the software we spent money for. it, We are going to use it.
0: It seems fitting that Gary is joining us on an evening during a time when the entire world is in lockdown. Not just Gary Godso. Lockdown. Lockdown. Oh, yes. That second one, that's the one. Oh, we'll uh, that have to take Okay. Yeah, we'll keep that one, and we'll get the rest out in post.
4: Okay, great. No, it's good to be here. Yeah, we are legit in lockdown, but hey, uh, as I was telling Mike last night, we're all in the same boat. Uh, I hope everyone's doing well, and when I mean well, I mean uh, mentally and physically, and everyone's managing through this little crisis. Uh, I hope we all see the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, but it's uh, my chance tonight, one night only, to catch up with you guys. Maybe get a real little engaged back in the hobby because it's been a while. I haven't really done much of anything since uh, Chattanooga and uh, see what's going on and uh, maybe have some fun in the process. So thanks for having me. It's good to be here. It's good to hear everyone's voices again. Glad everyone's doing so well.
2: I would say accent on the maybe have some fun because it's not guaranteed.
0: No, especially not if we're dragging some rookie along.
2: Yeah, right. (laughs) Welcome to the show, (laughs) Proby.
4: Talk to me when you get to 100 episodes.
2: Right. right. Yeah, right. Like like that'll happen.
0: I think he guest I'm hosted. For,
2: a... I'm good for about 10 before they're like, yo, uh, not really working out the way we hope.
0: I think he guest hosted 100 episodes.
2: But guest hosting is different because there's almost no expectation. I'm just glad <laughs> you're here. Oh, thank God.
0: <laughs> Somebody's in the chair. Thank goodness. No one will notice. Right.
4: I mean, if we have to, we can always go to Kevin Watts.
0: Maybe, but I don't oh want to bleep that much.
4: You know what you say, man? It's your it's your catchphrase.
0: You know, bleeping is funny, but there we go. At a certain point, bleeping is also a lot of work. Anyhow,
4: you're just getting a bunch of this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's like Morse code, you know, ships or. Are... Radioing in. What's on Joe' mind? Are you in trouble? No, 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 no. Titanic is sinking. Stop.
1: uh, Send help. Stop. I I talked to Kevin Watts a couple days last weekend, actually. We saw him. Didn't we, Mike?
0: We did. We were in a a Zoom call with Mr. Watts. He was loaded.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I was.
2: (laughs) And it was clear he hadn't read the PowerPoint at all. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> PowerPoint.
4: pre-show <laughs> joke i mean hey if you're gonna roll the heads roll the heads
2: pre-show is always the best show
1: <laughs> PowerPoint.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right as joe colton makes this show labor intensive <laughs> let's uh take that opportunity and roll right into our first segment Gary, why don't you use the echo machine and introduce this segment?
4: Oh, certainly. Joe Colton presents creepy fanboy messages straight from Loser Town.
0: There we go.
1: That's terrifying.
4: <laughs> was that was that good? Do it we need to good. do it again? Second take? No, no. have two was... take, Gary. Okay, all right. That all was right. Good. real good. Okay,
0: good. <laughs> you caught your own take. It's one and a half take, Gary.
4: Okay, one and one and a half take so? Gotcha. Okay, all right. <laughs> and that's where you need to overlay the, that uh that music that I that I put in the, the very first time I can't believe this segment's still running.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Are you kidding? This oh, is man. money.
4: Mike tells me he goes, Gary, this is your legacy to the program. Well, gee, thanks. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I have people coming up to me at cons. One, talking about chick like nuggets. Two, plugging the damn show. And three, please don't put me on <laughs> your Loser Town segment. And I'm like, oh my God. I get PMs that say, hey, I have a question for you, but I don't want to be on Loser Town.
2: That is awesome. Have you ever gotten a creepy fanboy message that opens with don't use me on your segment?
1: <laughs> I I have gotten uh not creepy messages that say hey I have a question but I don't want to be on this and then it, it's just a really innocent question I've had I've had people say creepy things and then say I bet you I'm gonna end up on your episode aren't I and I just go who knows one day
4: <laughs> part of me can't believe it but another part of me is like yeah I totally believe it. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, you know there you know there's there's some dude out there rolling the dice on that one. Eh. Yeah, she's heard worse.
2: You just got to got to make sure you aren't like, nope, not creepy enough. Try again. <laughs> because they will.
1: I know. Oh, I know.
0: It's always interesting be- to see where the rest of our hats land on this one cuz sometimes I'm the one rooting for people to stop and Mark wants them to keep going. And other times I want them to keep going and Mark wants them to stop. And it's, it's all good times. It's all good.
1: Yeah. It's lovely. It's good radio. I think, I think Mark did not expect how creepy they can get.
0: It's clean family entertainment. I
2: think it's the the photos that like send it over the edge, right? Like <laughs> cot the guy with the cot.
4: Like Oh, cot dude. Yeah. Yeah. And the stuff in the background and caught dude's picture, yeah.
2: That's an extra level of horror, I think, when they actually send photos of, the, of anything. Like, yeah, yeah was, I don't need that.
1: There, there was a guy in person at a Joe Con, and I had to go up to Gary and Mike and be like, listen, I don't usually do this, however. Was it plan B? No, it was the guy who was convinced I was Lady J at the con, yeah. and he came up to me at the dinner and was like, hey, how you doing, Lady J? And I was like, no. I was, I don't have a Lady J costume. He's like, no, you're Lady J. Don't you try and, like, run away from me. You can't hide from me. I know you, Lady J. And I'm like, oh, no. This is a new level of, like...
4: Oh, we're, are you, we lady? are we are at creep factor 10 already. <laughs> within, within 15 seconds.
1: Uh. Right. And I, like, I mentioned it to... Uh, the person i was dating at the time he's like i yeah, just ignore him or whatever and i'm like no no i have a vibe clearly you don't give two hoots hold on <laughs>
2: shots <laughs> fired oh wow <laughs> so wait so wait lady j guy actually kind of helped you out
3: <laughs> No. right
2: no. wait a minute wait a minute i'm gonna i'm gonna play creepy loser boy advocate here okay <laughs> Kind of helps you do have steer, a
3: point, yeah.
2: point, yeah. you away from bachelor number two, there, yeah.
1: Yeah,
4: <laughs> uh, it sounds like creepy guy can take total credit for
2: number two here, yeah.
1: No, no,
2: <laughs> no, no, be, be completely honest with me here. Will he get invited to the wedding?
1: No, <laughs> I don't even know his name,
2: sir. Sir, if you are listening to this program, yep.
4: please send oh, an email God. to what's at gmail.com.
1: There's still And time. We,
4: we will get you into the wedding. You might not be in the room, but we'll get you to the wedding.
2: Wait till you see my plus one.
1: <laughs> I ha- Wes has asked me, no fans.
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Pro- probably probably a good idea.
1: It's probably a good idea. <laughs> it's like, It's our wedding. There cannot be people going, hey, can I have your autograph to like, some of our guests? So oh please and hey
3: hey
4: on that i haven't got a chance in person to t- but congratulations i am we are so very happy me for too. you in the got household we are very happy we are now like i said waiting and you need to let me know so i can make announcement to the entire internet on your behalf is when pregnancy day one hits we can <laughs> make that announcement baby yeah. cosplay is going to be awesome
1: it is uh wes is already like we're not pregnant yet, but he is like, okay, we're going to do this one. You're going to do this one. I was like, in between when? Feeding and trying to sleep or going to work? He's like, it's fine. I can help. I'm like, you can't soak. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Regardless, we are we are so very happy for you here in the house.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
4: Congratulations to you and Wes.
1: Thank you. We're very uh, happy and very excited.
0: Uh, just so everybody at home doesn't get confused, this is in reference to you're it announced nuptials,
1: right? Not my pregnancy.
0: Not pregnancy. No, not pregnancy. Which,
2: which we haven't announced.
1: Okay. Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, El you are not helping. He's not <laughs> he here to help.
0: Did. He's not here to help. Working my Your way down. Da-
1: presents
3: Baby Alert. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm
2: working my way down that invite list.
3: And I, and I, I don't know if I'm. Like pop- intro but joe colton presents
4: i am pregnant i don't know but <laughs> it should be a segment it should be a segment <laughs> no no but it, when that time comes we'll be happy for you as well
1: thank you i'm sure that debbie was screaming when she saw it because i got a i got a p.m it was a p.m or a a, a post that she was like oh my god
4: my yeah god! i i, I I think she read it in bed and on her phone, and I got an elbow in my side. She went, check this out. I'm like, oh, okay, right on. And then that's when I made the comment. I said, uh, just let me know when you're ready to spread the, the pregnancy rumor, and I'm right there with you.
1: Yeah. yeah. My
4: social media reach is actually pretty
0: decent.
1: I will tell you right after uh, the little immigrant. She,
0: that's what I'm talking
1: about. She's got to be the first one to
0: know. That's fine, but we don't, yeah. take, we don't go past second chair on that stuff.
1: Okay. It, right.
0: Parents... Extended family, podcast co-hosts—that's that's, that's okay. the natural order. All right. That's in the
1: Bible, I'm... I think. It's in the Bible, I will write that down and make sure it happens.
2: That's the line, right? Joe's before Bros.
1: Yes, it is. Just
4: like a few a few good men, God, core,
0: country.
1: There you go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> family,
1: extended
3: God, family, podcast co-hosts. <laughs> you can't
0: handle the truth.
4: So what, what creepy mails did you get this time? What what good examples can you give us? I, mm. It's been a while since I heard. I'm actually kind of excited about this.
1: Oh, boy. So I got one on Instagram.
3: Oh, Hello, yes.
1: Hello. My name is Blank.
3: hmm Yep.
1: I'm new to the area of D.C. I would like to gain more experience shooting. Sure. I'm a fan of your work, and I was wondering if it would be possible to do a working session together. I could pay you x number of dollars per hour but that's negotiable i'd like to do between one to two hours and i would like to colon shoot boudoir cosplay light bondage damsel in distress a mix anything above
4: <laughs> i'm questioning legality of some of that uh that is that might be a cop that could be entrapment do not answer Oh, As your court-appointed attorney, do not. <laughs> oh, wouldn't... it gets better. Oh, boy. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> are you comfortable with any of these? <laughs> <are you> not...
4: <laughs> if I was, I'm not admitting to it. Yeah.
0: I like how the yeah. middle of that list has cosplay. Like, he didn't lead off with yeah. cosplay to get you... He get you, you starts right off swinging for the fences. You want to do some boudoir shots?
1: And then bondage, and then a mix. <laughs> like, What?
0: Wouldn't a mix be bondage
2: in distress? <laughs> distress bondage.
1: Yeah, that's During not good. Some sort. Of I don't like bondage. the
4: sound of that. <laughs> I, no, I don't like the sound of that at all. No.
1: He goes on to say, "Whichever you're not comfortable with is okay."
4: <laughs> Check the boxes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we can remove switch exchange or mix it up don't worry i wouldn't be doing nude slash topless at all
4: oh thank god (laughs) i'm relieved
1: (laughs) also i would like to plan this to be a few months out due to the coronavirus but i wanted to reach out to you regardless just in case you were interested to do soon (laughs)
4: <laughs> Something tells me you're going to practice extreme social distancing from this guy, so don't worry about the virus.
1: I haven't been tested, however. <laughs>
4: On what? The virus or <laughs> what else?
1: Yeah. Right. I haven't been tested, however. If you were if you could verify that you have been away from people for fourteen days, I'm willing to shoot you at X location. Please let me know if you're interested. (laughs) Thanks for your time. And again, any of the above choices will do. Any and all.
4: And then he ends at P.S. Any and all.
2: (laughs)
1: Any and all.
2: (laughs) Did he ever at all say camera or photography? Or did he Uh, just mention that he wants to shoot you a couple times? Yeah, the
1: shoot
4: thing. The first time he said shoot made me sound like he wanted to take a trip to the range with you or something.
1: Yeah, I get those, too. But no, not in this case. Just, yeah.
4: Oh, wow, guys. If you want to go shoot some guns, (laughs) give Joe a call.
1: I am not shooting anything these days.
2: Okay. All right. We don't want to hurt the baby. I think she's mad enough after a day of Zoom calls that they're keeping weapons from
3: her.
1: (laughs) Uh, It was funny, Wes came up to me to just tickle me on the side, and I grabbed his hand and twisted it accidentally at a reflex. And he's like, okay, okay, it's just me, just me, it's me, and you in the house, nobody else, like, ow.
4: Now, have you warned him about doing that before? Like, just giving you the drive-by tickle, and you you swipe it away, and then he does it, and you warn him that someone's going to get hurt inadvertently the next time it happens?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Okay,
4: okay, good, because I'm not the only one.
3: <laughs>
4: De- Debbie or Katie will do the drive-by, and it's like I just end up flailing, at, at, you know, uncontrollably, and somebody's only going to get hurt. And sure enough, it's never me, but it's some—it's always one of them. So. so I,
1: yeah. I'm not. Do, tickle do not it. tickle.
4: Yeah. Oh, she just don't like being touched. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm not ticklish. So.
4: She don't like being touched by her fiance. Okay. Mm. We're starting this thing off good. Mm.
1: I was cooking at the time, so I had like a knife.
4: Oh, you had utensils.
1: Okay.
4: Oh, he was on his own no. now.
3: Don't,
0: don't do that. <laughs> yeah, not knives are bad. You're you're justified on that one then. Yeah. I would like to say that just as a as a reflex, as a Pavlovian reflex, while you were reading that message, <laughs> I used hand sanitizing. <laughs> I don't know what that says about what was going on here, but hand sanitizer came into play. I do have to, to give some points here, because this is more well-written and literate than most of what you share with us.
1: Yeah, I got one from, I think it was Pakistan, and that was weird, so I couldn't I couldn't really translate it.
4: I'm waiting for the day when you get the survey monkey uh, message to you.
1: What is that?
4: The survey monkey? Someone like sends you a survey, you know, will you do... Oh yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> or just oh, do Lord. a full blown PowerPoint presentation. What the hell, guys? Sure you <laughs> care? Do the work. Do you the don't work. Have to read it. Yeah. We already know how you feel about PowerPoint presentations. I mean, goodbye. I mean. Yeah, the montage. <laughs> right
1: can we go? PowerPoint can we
2: go back to the part where you put Wes in a wrist lock?
1: <laughs> it's fine. It's fine.
4: But. But she warned him, and he still did it.
1: Yeah,
4: I mean, this is why I relate to her. This I guess is why I mean, she's my sister. I relate to her on this one. She warned the man, don't do it.
2: But it's—I guess it's going to be advocate night for me. But to play Wes, <laughs> Wes Advocate, oh, put a guy nicknamed the Wristlock
0: in a wristlock.
1: Isn't yeah. that like,
2: like neck pinching, Leonard
0: Nimoy? Yeah. That's, uh, that's setting a, up a major core. rumble at the pay-per-view, is all I'm saying.
2: That's
0: a, that's a no-DQ match right there waiting to happen. Yeah, this I is,
2: can't wait I can't wait to watch that match and see when Brandy Rhodes
0: appears. It's like when uh, when Seth Rollins hey, and Triple Rhodes H... Is I'm definitely watching. When Seth Rollins and Triple H had their pedigree match. That's oh, what God. this is. Wes versus Joe wrist lock match.
1: I don't know if I can compete with him on that. He's a wrestler for like 15 years. I can't. I'm not a worker. So
4: <laughs> That's okay. I mean, we'll just script it that you win. That's right. Oh, okay. Then I fine. know how to book. I yeah, we'll, we got this book. We're good.
0: Yeah, if you can't he'll bump, it go, makes the writing easy.
4: Yeah.
2: He'll let you go over, right?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why I said yes. <laughs> oh.
2: What if you hit him with like hundred and twelve super kicks
0: first? Okay, it'll be good. I promise. Okay. You've you've skipped a lot of leg days, though.
4: Your thigh is just going to hurt like hell when you go <laughs> <laughs> slapping that thing all over. Yeah, super I kick party. I have a
1: bruise. What happened? <laughs> Foul.
2: Super Foul. kicks. <laughs> I yeah, I fell. Yeah. Foul. Why? Why Foul. is it? Why is it hand shaped?
1: Me and my
4: husband were having a super kick party. <laughs>
1: Tell the officer what happened. No, seriously.
4: (laughs) So the officer where he touched you.
1: (laughs) As they
0: they lead you to the back of a patrol car, you're just screaming, Super
1: kick! Super kick! Wes is laughing hysterically. Babe, I I swear I told him the truth.
0: It's going to be a fun wedding. And they get on the radio and they go, we got a
4: 5150 here. (laughs) Oh,
1: wow.
0: Oh my god! Is there god. anything
4: else? Is there? Is there letter two? Do we have another letter?
0: No, no. We just we just do the one. We don't want do to. We don't,
3: oh.
0: don't want to go too too far because we got a lot of news. So we don't want to. Okay. We don't want to turn this into some four hour, you know, 2014 extravaganza because nobody listens to oh, us at two hours. Oh, the days of old. The days of old. <laughs> but.
4: Spinoff. <laughs> Spinoff. Okay. <laughs> But uh, that do I have to do the, do I have to do the outro?
0: No, no, I'll take care of the outro. <laughs> okay. Well, right. I'll, I'll let right. you do the end of the outro, but let me let me get this in first. And just remember folks, if if you are sending messages like that to your favorite cosplayers, you belong in a creepy fanboy message on their podcasts unless you really just get off on that sort of thing in which case the honcho and I sound pretty good so I, I understand how that could happen. But I think that's going to bring a close, too. Joe Colton presents
4: Creepy Fanboy Messages, straight from Loser Town.
0: That thing's already paid for itself.
1: Right. <laughs> also, it's creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> it's, like, that loud.
0: <laughs> well, good that we used it on the Creepy Fanboy Messages <laughs> bumpers, then, didn't it?
4: When I get to this voice, then it becomes creepy.
3: Oh
0: no! When you get up on the microphone like this and do the whisper, mm. yeah. Mm. Nope. Nachos.
3: That
2: <laughs> <laughs> just creeped me out. I thought, I thought you said honchos. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> segway, 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 segway.
0: That does roll us into I segment number legs, two.
1: honchos.
0: <laughs> which is Lazy Bastard Corner with the hot show, Mark Weber.
2: That's right. Much anticipated. Fixing old Joe's, you know, one Joe at a time. We went over Thunder with uh, Sergeant Slaughter's crotch last time. That was a big shocker. <laughs> and then we fixed Zap, you know, one of the original Joes who finally got a second one, second figure that was pretty damn good, except he had Robocop's legs. We gave Zap some respectability back. Today I'm working on, and again, this is, I'm no customizer. That's why we're doing Lazy Bastard Customs, right? I That's generally right. respect the sculpts, and and I think I can uh, i can Frank and Joe together, maybe a, an alternate option, right? Not going to say better, not going to disrespect any of the fine work done by the Joe designers and, uh, and marketers of the past, but man, the, the neon got to me a little bit. There are plenty of Joes with banana pants that I, I want to help. And, and, you know, backstop, you're you're coming at some point. But today, we're looking at Windmill. So this is a driver, a pilot from 1988. Came with the Skystorm X-Wing chopper, which was a pretty damn good vehicle. He's yes. got a lot going for him, right? He's, you know, the sculpt itself is pretty good. And he comes with, I'm pretty sure this is Ray Charles's pistol from Blues Brothers. Like, this is a... <laughs> This is a <laughs> this is a monster. Right? Welcome to Ray's Discount
3: Music Exchange. <laughs> right?
2: There's no action in this keyboard, right? So, you know, vehicle drivers didn't usually come with accessories very often. And so when they did, I think there's some you know, even now that they're rare and forty bucks each on eBay, there there's always been some cachet to the accessories. So Having this helicopter pilot come with one of the larger hand cannons (laughs) in Joe history is is pretty impressive. But, you know, black helmet with a with a orange stripe for a little personality, but also to match his orange shirt, orange pants, and to contrast with his black boots and lime green bomber jacket. (laughs) Uh, so much went wrong with this guy, and he's driving an experimental helicopter. So, in a different universe, this guy would have been a badass, right? This guy would have been Maverick, you know, and not windmill with his, you know, sun-kissed pants.
0: So it says one of my, it says one of my, something when Fun School did the paint job better,
2: right? Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's that should be a warning to all of us. So w- one of the things I'm digging about this is to fix him, I grabbed another member of the Neon Green Brigade, and that's Psych Out, who waist up is pretty much a disaster. <laughs> but, man, his pants and waist and boots are pretty understated. Nice dark gray, black boots, black belt, silver buckle, pretty good. And then if you're looking for the opposite of windmill for, you know, the poster child for fighter pilot cool, it's Ghost Rider. If you grab a Ghost Rider torso with his black jacket and his uh, lighter gray shirt than the pants, throw on a windmill head, maybe paint that orange stripe black, and all of a sudden it isn't just windmill's pistol that's a badass. You got yourself a a pretty solid uh, experimental chopper pilot here, so... We'll get some photos up here to show the difference, and and one of the things, they both have the pilot's breathing mask right across the middle of the chest, except, you know, the one on Ghost Riders is jet black, and the one on Windmill is neon green, so I think we've given you an alternate look here at Windmill, and given him, you know, after 22 years, the chance to be a badass, or at least cosplay as a badass, so... If you're a a fan of Windmill and the Skystorm X-Wing Chopper, I think you'll dig this lazy bastard custom that uh, tries to give him a little more respect. It's almost, you know, like Night Force Windmill. And again, not that this was hard, but I think it's a good look for him. I think you dig it.
0: It's got to be better than his original look. And furthermore.
4: Mike, Mike, if you do not end this episode with shake your tail feather. Oh, that's on you. Oh, yeah. Here we go, loop to loop
0: But um, anyways, what's more, now Windmill uh, will sell you those amps and that keyboard for $500. And if you can lead an entire city block in a choreographed dance number, he'll let you do it on an IOU.
2: Showed that movie to my daughter for the first
0: time just a couple nights ago. It's quality.
2: Daddy, how did the car backflip? Don't worry about it.
0: It just did. They're on a mission from God.
2: Hey! What car are we? 5'5". Five, five. This is car 55. We're in a truck. We're in a truck.
0: Uh, and you never see them again. That's what? the best part of it. That's the last scene with John Candy.
2: And Little, little Miss Elizabeth said, Dad, why is Princess Leia so angry?
4: Because <laughs> she eventually knew what parts she'd be playing in the three prequel or sequel episodes, and I'd be angry, too.
0: (laughs) Times were tough at the curl-up and die. Give her a break. (laughs) I've always loved you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It struck me watching that, though, because that was the first SNL movie, right? Yeah, pretty much. And SNL was a big deal pretty much from jump. But good Lord, what kind of budget did they have for as many stunts as they did and as many cars as they crashed and and dropping the Nazi car legit off the, city, the skyline of Chicago? <laughs> like, pretty impressive. They, for, they had a
0: big budget, and then they blew that big budget. Uh, To the point where like the producers and stuff were hiding from the studio execs so that they could get it done without getting shut down. Like that's how much they they blew past their assigned budget.
4: Someone needs to fact check me here, but I believe I heard this somewhere. Somebody has gone through movies and recorded the number of car wrecks there are in each film. And there's like a hierarchy leaderboard. Obviously, Blues Brothers has that. I believe number two or within the top five is Rise of Cobra. Really, when they went storming through Paris and the number of cars they they wrecked, mm. I believe uh, I believe that I heard that the Rise of Cobra is uh, with definitely in the top ten, might have been in the top
0: five. There's a good number of cars there. Just you wouldn't think it, just off the top. Worthless
2: you know? fact, but there you go. Possible fact. Perhaps. I typed that into Google, and the first thing that came up, it said it was the biggest train wreck in theater history.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: oh shots fired. <laughs> but I, I I can't find anything on car Oh, my sort of God.
0: <laughs> Honcho is harsh. Threw, one out. Threw that one out there so, so fast it woke Joe Colton up.
2: To be fair, she was waiting for Wes to tap out. He's he's hanging in there.
0: Nobody taps out the wrist lock Wes Whitlock. Nobody.
1: Shake my head.
2: And your tail
0: feather.
1: And my tail feather. (laughs) Stupid
2: nuggets.
4: Come on, baby, shake your tail feather. Come on, baby, shake your tail feather. It's
0: got to end the show, man. It's got to end the show. It's done. It's done. You never have to twist my arm too hard to get me to, to throw a Blues Brothers song out. So, you know. There you go. There were some intermediary steps there. Like they had a big album before the movie. And then, you know, the, the soundtrack to the movie was as successful as the movie itself was. So it was more than just a couple of appearances on Saturday Night Live. They had kind of built that into a thing that culminated right. in a movie.
2: I bought a car or my dad found a car that I paid him back for in Jersey right before I went to college bought it in Jersey and drove it back to the middle of Oregon in three and a half days with the blues brothers as the soundtrack for probably half the drive. Cause it would keep me awake. Yeah. yeah. As I did the 90% of the
0: cannonball run. It's fantastic. Uh,
4: another great movie.
0: They really didn't need the second one, but first no, cannonball. No. Yeah. And don't forget the, the unofficial third entry in the trilogy Speed Zone which I I love it because it's so bad. Like, it's bad enough that it's pretty entertaining. It's a John Candy movie. You you can't really go wrong there. Is that the finishing touches on Lazy Bastard Corner with the honcho Mark Webber?
2: You know, I think Windmill got away with the orange pants for a long time because of the size of the gun he was carrying, or excuse me, the blaster, he was carrying, but I, th- I think this alternate version is pretty slick, so I hope you like
0: it. You need to make sure you get a shot of him with his windmill backpack. I don't
2: know if I have
0: the windmill backpack. <laughs> but look around.
2: Rem- Remember, folks, it's not the size of the gun. It's how you use it. Right? I thought go. you wanted a picture of him shooting at the kid trying to steal the guitar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you put a photo of that too, I'll put it on the Instagram account too. Yeah, I got the Photoshop skills. I can make that look terrible. Yeah, if you can, if you can get a shot of the kid looking terrified, and another one of Ray Charles with the smoking gun in his hand and a big grin on his face, we'll put those in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will turn the corner from lazy bastard corner and go headlong into the news. Do, 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 do. First news item, pencils up. IDW confirms their new release schedule. Comic writers and artists are back to work for IDW, and that includes Paul Aller, Chris Evanhois, Larry Hama, and everyone involved with G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, and G.I. Joe. Aller confirmed on Twitter that issue six of his critically acclaimed G.I. Joe will hit newsstands on May 27th, which will be past when we get this posted because it's tomorrow or today. G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero will pick up its Snake Hunt storyline with issue 271 on June 3 and 272 on June 17. So, good news for everybody at IDW. Everybody's back to work and making comics again. and Good. Next news item.
2: <whistles> She's on mute. I know, but I'm next in the talk order, so.
0: <laughs> no, no, you're first in the talk order. Right?
1: But I stole a spot, so he's got to steal my spot then. Du- 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 du-
0: du. <laughs> you guys are playing a game that I just don't know the rules to, and I'm just going to let it be. <music> the release schedule for Snake Eyes Dead Game was also put out to the public. Comics creator and Buttonfly G spoke model Rob Liefeld's Snake Eyes Dead Game is set for a July 15 release from IDW. Liefeld will be writing and penciling the series and is offering pre-orders for copies with variant covers at his website, robliefeldcreations.com. Fans can also get a hold of a variant cover for the first issue of the series based on the iconic cover of Incredible Hulk 181, which is Wolverine's first appearance, from Stadium Comics at StadiumComics.com. And that's probably the the best cover of all of them that are out there. It's kind of neat to see Cobra Commander as a stand-in for Wendigo on that one. But anyhow, Mark Weber, point we'll turn of... to you first. Your thoughts on Snake Eyes Dead Game.
2: Well, point of contention, and, and not to correct a, a host, but as a proud owner of Incredible Hulk number 180... Wolverine's true first appearance and rookie card.
0: Oh, was it? I don't know.
2: Yeah. No no no. That's when I was a kid as a baseball card collector, I saw you know, one, nobody got 181. So it was already expensive back in the eighties because it's Wolverine's rookie card, right? I saw in a comic shop they had one eighty up there for like seven bucks, which was a lot of money back in, you know, the eighties. So I got it down and took a look at it. Wolverine appears in the final panel. With these big, you know, hot dog claws and just looking terrible. But he's the final panel reveal in the issue before. And as a baseball card guy, I'm like, well, that's his rookie card. Like, I'm all over that for seven bucks. So, you you know, you can keep your Hulk 181s. Because I got the OG. I got the real deal, the 180, where Wolverine shows up. What I'm interested about here is, do any of the variant covers include feet? Those are the ones that'll be worth something, because talented artist Rob Liefeld is not known for his (laughs) podiatry.
0: For the advanced images that we've seen, most of the characters do have legs, and those legs do have endings, but I cannot confirm that those endings are feet.
1: They're probably Uh, smoke.
2: (laughs) The one that dry, and people, you know, I'm not the first guy to tear apart Rob Liefeld's art, and obviously I can't draw this good, so you know be careful what you do, but mm. there's one, mm. one of these covers that has it's the one with the triptych of villains and heroes on either side of the split front cover. And Scarlet actually looks kinda normal, but she's got a really long torso and of course the feet are, are bad. Snake Eyes is not too bad. But Roadblock's standing behind him holding a giant weapon. Imagine that. And and to be holding it as he is because his right arm is pretty much obscured, his elbow would have to bend at like mid-thigh. There's just one mutant arm that's a problem. And then on the other side, the Baroness has no eyes, which, okay, you know. I guess if you ran out of ink. Mm-hmm. Cool. But she's not just top-heavy, but... He's drawn her breasts coming out of her throat, right? And across – on the same page, Scarlet is drawn relatively normally, at least for a comic book girl. So the fact that the body proportions are off on the same page just – I don't know. I, I shouldn't get into the dissect Liefeld art because what really offended me about all of this was – the little blurb of his where he's like, yeah, pre-orders are already 10 times what the regular book is doing. Like if you can't play nice with the established people onto whose mythology, you're just dropping in for a while. I just, I got, I got
0: no respect for that. So
1: big ego, man. He's got to pay those bills,
0: man. Yeah. It's painful. I know the, the official company line was cautious optimism. But this is, it's it's quickly blowing away like so much smoke.
2: There's an image out there somewhere. I don't know if it's a cover or not, but it's snake eyes with both swords drawn. And, I mean, Scarlet is all but tied to the railroad tracks behind him, right? Laying, laying on the ground, looking up, you know, wait, waiting for some brave, strong man to come save her. And it is so wrong for the character, not to mention that her neck must be about three feet long to make this work. But I don't care if you're a big name. You're a guest here. So, you know, respect the mythology that you're borrowing. I don't care if you can't draw it. As a comic collector, I was always less worried about art than story anyway. But... Damsel in distress, Scarlet is is certainly unnecessary and and shows the disconnect that I'm afraid we're going to see inside the books as well.
0: I've always been more concerned about Rob Liefeld, the writer, than Rob Liefeld, the artist. And uh, I just I'm afraid we're going to get about four issues of stuff not making any kind of sense whatsoever.
2: How many guys can you count? You can count on one hand, probably easily, the guys who were really talented at both, right? That's why writer and artist are usually two very separate things.
0: Yeah. It's a, a weird spot because, again, want it to do well because any G.I. Joe book selling a butt ton of copies means there's going to be more G.I. Joe books and more potential for more stuff. But wow, I got a feeling this is just going to be bad. Just Bad. Even Rise of Cobra, for all the fun we make of it, it's got its redeeming points. Yeah. I fear that Snake Eyes Dead Game will lack those redeeming points. July 15 from creator and Buttonfly Gene spokesmodel Rob Liefeld. Snake Eyes Dead Game from IDW. Godspeed. Next news item. Do, 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 do. Continuing with comic news, IDW plans complete silence, as confirmed by creative director Tom Waltz on Twitter. IDW will publish a definitive, in quotes, version of GI Joe number 21, the Larry Hama penned classic silent interlude that contains both the pages from issue 21 and 21 and a half, which was IDW's silence between borders, to give a full narrative of Snake Eyes' daring rescue mission inside Castle Destro. Price has not been announced. We don't know a whole lot about this one yet. It looks like it's going to be a hardcover. Apparently, they've they've taken those two two halves of the same story and put them together in one narrative. And Mark Weber, your thoughts?
2: I think for the the dedicated Joe fans, we we know this story. I mean, we know the story really really well. But it's one of the three or four best issues of the comic ever. Twenty one, at least. Mm. And it's harmless, I think. If they want to go, if they want to kick at that can again and put out a, a glitzy version of it, maybe it reaches new people. You know, it's one of the best Joe stories ever told. So is it must have, can't miss? Probably not. But is it harmful on any level? I don't think so. So you want to wave that flag again every four or five years. You know, it gets old for the dedicated collector. But you know, maybe on some level, that's not who it's for. And if it gets that story into the hands of some people who've never read it, yeah, more power to it. Joe Colton. I can't.
1: Probably oh,
0: I feel, can't. <laughs> she's, she's stuck on the previous news item. Come yep, on, you I'm did good. you did the doot doot sounds. It's it's over now. It's over now. You I know. you can I move can't.
1: on. I don't I don't like it.
0: Again, Issue 21 is generally thought of as one of the great comics, not of the G.I. Joe run, but of comics full stop. So, yeah, I understand having the rights to publish that and wanting to make some money off of it. And I remember back when they put out 21 and a half, there was some pushback. Uh, Some folks who, who just didn't quite understand what it was for or how it read or what it was in conjunction to and why it didn't have anything to do with what was going on in the, the regular series. And I, I think this is a pet project that was that's being put out to correct for those fans.
4: Uh, I will add this, and I think we talked about this during the movies, because I think we give a lot of grief to the new fans that hopped on during the movies. Like, great, you decided to hop on to movies. Where have you been this whole time? You need to look at it differently, because everybody has a jumping-on point. And for us, all of us in the community— Number 21 is a second nature. We know all about it. We've heard the story. Uh, We've heard Larry talk about it. You name it. We know exactly why uh, it was done. Uh, We know exactly why it's a landmark issue in in, in the Marvel run. If this is on the shelf somewhere and someone who has no idea or no familiarity with 21 or G.I. Joe or Snake Eyes picks it up and ends up reading it becomes a fan and this becomes their jumping on point, well, it it did its job. Yep. I don't know how many of those folks will pick up, but remember, everyone has a jumping-on point, and this could be a jumping-on point for you know potential new fans.
1: But don't you think it's a little bit lazy? Like they couldn't do something in addition to that to like get new fans or people to jump on for the first time, something to entice them?
4: To answer your question, yes.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Well, and I think you're onto something, Joe, because, I mean, there is a future film that's still scheduled to come out later this year, right? If right. ever there's going to be kind of walk-up interest or, you know, you know, in, in a perfect world, it's a really good movie, and all of a sudden there's buzz for Snake Eyes, maybe the timing on it is actually a little premature.
1: Mm-hmm. Like for Picard, for the Star Trek: The New Picard series, they did a prelude and a teaser comic for the new series. Now it's, it's it's TV's different, but they couldn't do something that was like, hey, you know, you get a sneak peek into something.
4: Man, that would have been difficult to jump on without any background story of Star Trek whatsoever. <laughs> well, that would have been difficult in For someone to jump on, for someone to jump on. Star Trek for the first time in Picard, they gotta they gotta have a lot of questions. And obviously we got a lot of time on our hands, so maybe they're <laughs> researching that stuff right now. But man, that would have been how difficult? Just think about it. How difficult would would watching Picard be if you had no idea anything about him? I
3: don't maybe know.
4: you heard of him, but you didn't know his his entire backstory, his lore, whose data, who are these people?
1: Wes was not a huge Star Trek fan. Jumped right into Picard probably how'd he how'd he do great he did good? yeah good. he's like it's probably one of my favorite star trek series
4: now how much did he how much did you help him how much did you go yeah
1: you uh, know, come on now how,
2: how, how much did you have to mansplain him he was confused <laughs> he was like what's professor x doing i don't get it
1: i did not explain he knew who picard was he's seen like one or two episodes maybe of tng but he's not like a huge fan of any of the series of star trek so it was interesting to watch the flip side is it took him a, a lot longer to get on board with Discovery.
4: <laughs> He's not in the minority there, so.
1: But <laughs> it's true.
0: Anyways. Well, to, to,
1: here he it comes. It's, <laughs> that
3: is not true. I've seen many
1: episodes of
4: TNG and all the TNG movies.
1: Oh, okay.
4: I really, really like card, but season two of Discovery is my favorite Star Trek thing ever because of Pike.
1: Oh, okay. I stand corrected. That oh, was a great character.
2: Nice. I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll agree to that. That was a great character. I gotta say, I love it when Wes comes in like the voiceover guy in um, in Muppet Hospital and everybody's I, looking around like, whoa
4: Well if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about the Muppets, that kinda reminds me more of the guys up in the balcony rather
2: than Ugh. the, the, the
1: <laughs> So I hear him coming no, upstairs like a m like like really bad like stomping up the stairs like I'm coming.
2: He's defending his honor while well, right. no, they're ruining right. my reputation. My
1: dirt representative <laughs> Don't make me put you in a wrist lock. Again. <laughs> the <wrist> lock. <laughs> Whatever. Master of the C-nug. Oh God.
4: Uh, hold on. Quoting Rocky. Ding
0: ding. <laughs> Bite. To bring it back to the actual GI Joe comic that we're talking about. Oh yeah. I think Mark's right. For us weary, battle scarred, well traveled G.I. Joe fans, I have to admit there's a modicum of interest in regards to seeing how it reads when it's all put together that way. But there's no harm to be done here. It worst it dilutes 21 a little bit, and you know it that's been reprinted so many times in so many different ways that if you like it better the other way, you can find a, a copy of just twenty-one on its own in any number of forms to to satisfy that itch. So
2: the worry is that like in five years they're gonna do the they they found the lost lettering and the word bubbles. That's right. And it'll and it'll be, you know, oh, where's snake
3: eyes? I wish he would come save me. <laughs>
0: On page five, Snake Eyes is mistakenly referred to as Short Fuse.
3: Mm-hmm. Is it
0: something? Was that a temper? Page seventeen. It's back in issue twelve. Smiling Stan. You know, something like that. We'll
4: need one of the Cobra troopers to be have a word bubble over his head that said "Zoinks" or
2: something like that. And <laughs> hey, come to that, think of it, Joe Colton. Awesome. Colton's a big Red Ninja fan, right? I am. Isn't this the when we first meet them? Like Larry Moe and Curly?
1: <laughs> yeah, mostly mostly Curly. There's some ships thrown around. In. A, don't, don't they get thrown around like the Mulkey brothers?
4: Curly's okay.
1: Curly's
2: okay. There were two yeah. of them. Love, love Curly. The first Curly.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the second one was just filling shoes that he would
2: never fill. This is a no win situation for him. What's it take to be a Red Ninja, right? A a costume and clumsiness or what I'm about to say wardrobe. Wardrobe
4: is
0: half of it. You gotta be willing to die on the side of a mountain.
1: Ah uh, they, they were good deaths, don't cheapen them.
0: Next news item. Do, 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 do. GameStop revealed images of a new statue line. Specially retailer GameStop announced that new line of G.I. Joe statues are now available for pre-order online at GameStop.com, produced by PCS Collectibles. The first wave includes Cobra Commander, Snake Eyes in his 1985 garb, and Storm Shadow in their 80s incarnations. The site shows a release date of October 30, 2020. Each statue is available for $49. 99 and remember curbside pickup is available that's right curb stop people they're good to us you can just walk next door to the subway pick up your sandwich there all one trip sandwich and lunch
4: curbside pickup boom curbside pick where would we be without this virus gosh
0: (laughs) probably at the movies
2: it sounds like a line from joe's email from earlier curbside pickup is available
1: <laughs> have we been testing
4: If he wrote the letter any longer, a curb was going to be mentioned somewhere along the line. <laughs> and that's just insulting. You. Yeah, I know.
0: Mark Weber, have you seen these statues? Yeah. What do you think?
2: It made me throw back to uh when we talked about Jada Toy's minifigures and their initial imagery left, you know, a lot to be desired. Like the initial images they put out look really good. Yeah. <laughs> The price point is not ridiculous. I don't know if we know the exact scale yet on these. I think some people are comparing them to some other statues of GameStop, but I'm not that up on my GameStop statues. (laughs) Now, just so I don't dump a 1,000% praise on top of it, I'm wondering if the Snake Eyes one is actually (laughs) grape-flavored.
1: And has a shrunken head.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that, too. This would come up once in a while when I was at Hasbro, when guys would go you know, we've done Optimus Prime so many times, what if we made him in, like, the cartoon colors, right? Not the toy colors, but, like, how he looked on the screen or or in the comic book or, and to me, it was always, there wasn't that much cachet to it, because I always felt like the cartoon and the comic books were doing the best job they could to replicate what the toy, what the figure, what the character actually looks like. So the idea of making a figure that showcases the difference in color never really grabbed at me like i'm i'm reading old x-men comics with my son and daughter right now and and my daughter elizabeth at one point goes why is wolverine's hair blue it's like if you drew it jet black it would look like you know he was wearing a dragon ball z wig or something right it just Mm. it would look terrible so the blue is meant to be the light highlighting his very dark hair but i i don't need a wolverine toy with blue hair the same way that I don't know that you need a, a snake eyes that's purple if it's meant to replicate the comic or the or the animation color and I, I see it sometimes as a variant right like if you've done black maybe you would come back with this as a short run short print but seems weird to me to to go with the already off color for your initial release
0: well I, I think it was just clear that they're going for the animation model. And that's how he looked. So I mean, whoever it is at GameStop, I mean, whatever PCS Collectibles is, my guess is it's it's lowest contractor that GameStop could pull out to design an exclusive line of GI Joe statues. They probably right. don't. They probably don't know snake eyes from a hole in the wall. So they see a purple guy in all these cartoon images, and so they make a purple guy. Yeah, that's, for you, Mike.
2: that's that's where the marketer at Hasbro should be advising them.
0: Oh, but Mark, we we know
1: they don't. You
4: mean you mean there's someone at Hasbro knows something about G.I. Joe? Oh, (laughs) wait a minute. I don't want to get anybody in trouble
0: here. Sorry. We know they don't care. Come on.
2: There there used to be a guy. Um, (laughs) But this thing is cooler, right? This thing is cooler if one out of every ten packaged is the funky animation style. Or if it comes out in six months that there's a short run in this purple version. So, you know, it's rarer. They don't expect it to have the drive that an all-black Snake Eyes would. You'll sell more all-black than you will purple. So, But you can find a way to maximize it. Like when we made a a leader-class Seeker jet for the Transformers line. So that's one of the beauties of Transformers is you make one new sculpt jet, you could release it three times with just deco changes. And fans are cool with that because that's what the seekers originally were, but Starscream's the star, uh, pun intended, and that's why you don't start with him. The new sculpt comes out, and it's Thundercracker, one of the lesser of the three Seekers, and then Starscream comes out. Same mold, but it'll sell because it's one of the main villains, and then Skywarp comes out last, and you don't print quite as many because it's only the completists who are after It, it just feels like it's not bad. It just seems to me like it is a missed opportunity to maximize sales.
4: So I got uh, two questions, one for the group and one for Mike. For the group, first of all, is while we're talking about this would be a different looking Snake Eyes, what is everyone's favorite version of Snake Eyes, if you don't mind me asking? You have so many to pick from. but
1: It's like 73 versions.
2: Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the original. Okay. Is, version one? Is, I think he's always got Cache because he was so different. From the rest of them, and, and I think we all know the story behind how that came about. But just the idea that it was the first—if he wasn't the intended to be the leading man—he mm-hmm. you know, be, he came it pretty quick, and to have him be the hero in black was so trend-setting that I think that'll that'll always be cool. And I think it's the one that leans heaviest on the military part. Of his background and and I liked I always like that one a lot. Now, and yeah, there's been several good ones, but you know, the that's, the OG a, that's a good that's amazing. a good point on the black that you mentioned, because I remember
4: when I first got Snake Eyes as a kid, I'm like, this is a good guy. You can't see his face. He's all black. He kind of screams bad guy to me, but okay, he's a good guy. My favorite Snake Eyes character, and as we're talking about, you know, they, they chose the purple one for this, uh, that makes him look like a Tootsie Roll Pop. I always liked, because it was original and it stood out, the radioactive Snake Eyes that came out with the DVD packs that came out, the five sets, five packs. I always thought that that was kind of original uh, with the the glow-in-the-dark and translucent
2: uh, orange or red on them. Hmm. That was a cool figure, absolutely. And I I especially like that he really didn't get, because he didn't need it, I think, he didn't get a lot of hero moments in the animation. No, that was one of the (laughs) few ones. And, and that was one of the best ones they ever did. And so, from an animation standpoint, I think that's certainly his high point on screen, at least from the from the Sunbow time.
0: Joe Colton, what's your favorite Snake Eyes?
1: Well, she threw the in the
0: version... towel. She said there was too many.
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> obviously the, the version one because of history with my dad um, and cool. him introducing me to the line and. Just my childhood, but um, I think the 20th anniversary with all the gear, I just like all the gear that
0: he got. <laughs> I would yeah. actually go with version two.
1: Oh,
0: yeah, I would actually go with version two because it was before I got burnt out on the ninja stuff, it was this <laughs> grand hunt to find that figure. My brother is the big Snake Eyes fan, and he wasn't able to find a Snake Eyes version 2. I actually found Snake Eyes version 2 so he would he would always want to play with with mine until I finally found it for him like I was the only one in the family who ever found Snake Eyes in the wild so there was a lot connected to that one I got to be the hero for Rob on that one and and so it was more than just storytelling and and media representation that's part of why I like the second one better. Anyways, so, Mike,
4: my, my question, uh, my question for you: If uh, Snake Eyes was a Tootsie Roll, Tootsie Pop, how many licks would it get to to take to get to the center
0: of him? I imagine I would get stabbed before the first one. So, Snake Eyes would very much be like Mr. Owl, in that the world would never know.
4: One, two, three, three. Okay. All right, we it's been settled. All right. Um, oh, let me do it. Let me do it. Next news item.
1: I wasn't. I wanted to say something about the figures. Oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what
4: a way to ruin a
2: segue! Oh. Damn
3: it, Joe.
2: We'll, we'll it. clean it. We'll clean it up and post.
1: <laughs> um, I do like the the Cobra Commander statue. It's very clean. It looks like what I envision him to look like. And I also like the storm shadow. And I like the attention to muscles and his facial expression. The only thing I don't like is when you turn him around, it's almost like he's wearing tidy whities There's like an outline of underwear. Like, I don't understand why. <laughs> I, did,
2: I, did, I didn't
4: notice there. that. <laughs> why hey, is that? Hey, hey, some guys require a little extra support
1: like the uh back quarter left side first. Now everyone's looking for his underwear oh my I God.
0: I I will not I will not check for storm Shadow's panty line I will not do it
1: and now you can un- guarantee that.
4: people that are
0: listening to this episode right now
4: are going to Google typing it in and looking at it for themselves right this very second whatever
3: <laughs> what are you people uh- doing
2: <sighs> whatever his underwear situation may be hey <laughs> Not as big as what Footloose has to wear for that giant diaper <laughs> on the Footloose waist. Um I wasn't—I I didn't notice that. I did notice it looks like Storm Shadow's been hitting the gym.
1: Right. No like arms.
2: Man. Yeah. It's like the reason I don't go sleeveless, he's going the other direction, right? And yeah, if you got that gun show.
0: <laughs>
1: no sleeves can
0: contain sleeves.
1: him. He, he does look good. It looks very good. The muscles are very well sculpted. He's just, yeah, I, I don't understand the tidy whities Well, there
2: you there's go. nothing wrong. He needs extra support. I've, given his general choice in fashion, <laughs> what kind of underwear are you expecting for Storm Shadow to wear? I,
1: I don't know. G, Maybe some... <laughs> G A G No. I no. No. <laughs> no. Oh my god! Come She's on. looking oh, for yeah. the slingshot. <laughs> She's
4: looking for the slingshot look. Oh, but but what? But white, right? I would. Expect. Oh yeah, white. Uh, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, okay. I mean, Maybe you figure like
1: boxer briefs.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, he does a lot of high kicking, so I don't mm, think he'd yeah, about bunching up. A lot of loose stuff going on. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Spock. No, I think he needs the support. Yeah.
1: But yeah, those two figures I really like.
0: She's a girl. She doesn't understand, right, Mike? No, not that. Not that one. That's the Ow. one where.
3: That's sexist.
2: <laughs> that just occurred to me. Being sleeveless, too, is also helpful to Storm Shadow in case he, I don't know, wants to suddenly get 8 million tattoos on his arm.
3: Mm.
0: You know, just in case that happens. In case. We may talk yep. about that soon.
2: That's called foreshadowing.
0: Next news item. Uh Oh, wait
4: wait, a minute. Next
0: news item. There you
4: go. It's out of my system
1: now. Can't do it again.
4: Next news item. Thank you. Perfect. Haven't missed a beat.
0: Brings us to the Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins news dump. Oh, Lord. Jeez. And the...
4: See, we're already praying. That's what it does.
0: Really, the the theme here is that no news is, is good news. We're still expecting that movie to be released October 23rd, 2020. Although as more and more events push past <laughs> the end of 2020 and into the beginning of 2021 and beyond, maybe not. We'll see.
4: I was joking with mike and said watch this one get pushed back nine months like the other one and no one's gonna give
0: a shit. <laughs> yeah we've been not there we've one, done that not this time and it's not gonna
4: be
2: for 3d either <laughs> i would say just just wait, expect it to come out on time i mean if it gets delayed what's the worst that could happen right
0: <laughs> exactly
2: wouldn't cost you your job or anything uh anyway Next news
3: item. Ouch! Oh. Ouch! You just feel the resentment in
2: the air. I was just, speak, I was just speaking, <laughs> speak, speaking. Speaking theoretically.
4: Oh, in theory, in
0: theory. Okay. Next news item is is a somber one, and it's getting to be kind of old news at this point. Hector Garrido passed away last month. He was most famous for painting the packaging art for G.I. Joe toys in the 80s and 90s. Mr. Grito was born in Argentina, trained in his craft in Buenos Aires, and later emigrated to the U.S. Before his work on G.I. Joe, his illustrations were regularly used for popular book series, including The Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, the 60s spy series of The Baroness, foreshadowing, Remo Williams, and others from the 50s and through the 90s. His work, The Astronauts, was used as the cover for an issue of Time Magazine in 1969 and is part of the permanent collection of the Smithsonian National Portrait Gallery. Mr. Garrido's G.I. Joe work has been collected by our former co-host, Carson Metaxas, in his popular book series, Collecting the Art of G.I. Joe, which is available at 3djoes.com. Mr. Garrido passed away in his sleep on April 19 at age 92. That
4: is a great book. Long life,
3: yes.
0: Yeah. And to be
4: in the Smithsonian, that's huge.
0: Mark Weber, what's your favorite piece of packaging art?
2: I mean, I've been in the Smithsonian. Just saying. Joe Are you part. hanging? Are you Joe. hanging in it? Hey, I, I, I hang there all the time, yo. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I don't want to make light of it because I've always thought Garrido, as much respect as it gets, doesn't quite get enough. Because the look of the packaging was one of the main differentiators. It just looked so good. It was so compelling. And one of the real joys in the way pre-internet of being a Joe Collector was finding that first figure on the shelf and flipping it over and looking at all the new guys. Oh That yeah, moment, yeah, yeah. right? Even, yeah. more, even more so than the first... You know, you get your first motorcycle of the year or whatever, and you fold out the catalog to see what you're going to ask for for Christmas. But man, flipping that card over and looking at the year's worth of Gordo art—it was something that that has hardly ever been replicated. It's—it ju- was just an awesome bit of of being a Big Joe fan as a kid. Yeah, um, if you're in the mid forties, if you're in
4: the mid forties like me, you did exactly that with your parents. You get that first figure of that wave, you flip it over, you go. I need that. I need that. And then you just it, – it's its just easier to give your parents – after you cut the file card off, of course, give your parents the other half of the card and just say, here's who I want. Right. Just fill these in. As you know,
2: the year goes on, we're good. There you go. Yep, exactly. For actual card art, I was a sucker for the MoBat, for the original MoBat, and being a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, Steeler was going to be a favorite. But I always felt like the, the vehicle drivers for the big vehicles – they were special in that I've said it before I can't take the Mobat to school but I can take Steeler and if I have Steeler that means there's a Mobat at home and even though it was you know it was only a tank you know, it was the most elite item of that year one. So that the tank coming over even though it's driving in treads that are already ahead of it for some reason, that Mobat art is is sensational so I wouldn't I wouldn't mind having that on my wall you know in a perfect world.
0: Joe Colton, your favorite piece uh-huh. of G.I. Joe package artwork.
1: I I wasn't, I liked the art, but I wasn't really, like I love the explosion background. I love vehicles, but I wasn't really into the art until I was older. So when I was younger, it was like, oh yeah, these are cool. Whatever, I'll put them, like line them up have the file card were core. So I didn't get to like hand my parents, here you go. I want all of these. It was more like what, which one do I want the most out of all of these? Which one will I ask for repeatedly for the entire month or year or whatever? But I didn't appreciate the art or the packaging until later on in life. Like Mark would, would love to have his art hanging in my, in my house. Just all
0: over the place. The fact that you didn't appreciate it till later doesn't matter. Which one do you like the most now? Um, I don't
1: think I have a favorite.
0: You can just pick one that you like a lot. No one's really going to hold you to this.
1: Let me
0: think about this. We're not coming back for it. Fine. See, I, I'm going the other way on the Scarlet one. Scarlet's one of the few I don't like because she's so much better looking in the art than she is in the actual figure.
1: Yeah. True.
0: <laughs> True. 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 That's one where where I'm a little mad. I'm a little mad at Hector Garrido for that one. But anyways, Gary Godso, your favorite.
4: Oh, this is easy. Uh, the Polar Battle Bar and... Um... And, and snow job card art
0: that's easy polar battle bear was pretty badass
4: yeah i mean it has everything right there snow job driving i think we got flash on one side yeah gun hole on the other everyone's looking engaged fighting intense uh and then the card art with a snow job there on the skis with the uh the the, the mark ii laser rifle it's perfect and it's that's just how i envisioned them always played with them like that always envision them like that part of the reason why I like that that character so much is the the card art was one part of it. So that's an easy, easy answer for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's, that one's, that one's pretty high up on my list too, actually. Polar Battle Bear was pretty, pretty awesome.
2: And Snow Job came with so much stuff, right? You know, him and Scrap Iron, I both felt like I was kind of stealing when I got those because there was (laughs) so much stuff. And you stole them. Maybe, maybe, maybe I look back at Breaker and I'm like, come on now. You should be like 250, maybe 225. You have a gun.
3: I,
4: I might say that the, the the ski poles might be the first item that we can label or classify as pre-lost uh, that we've established in show lore <laughs> as something that got frequently lost as soon as you opened up the package. I was always a kid that as soon as I brought them out of the package, I snapped everything in place. And nothing was getting lost, but I could probably see a lot of kids right off the bat that uh, those ski poles ending up in a vacuum cleaner somewhere, st- stuck under some crevice they can't get to anymore, and snow job is actually then you know uh, freestyling down the down the slopes instead of uh, with a set of poles.
0: Mm. I still have mine from back then, and it's because I never used them. Yeah, i mean, ski them. Never used them. They just stayed on the backpack. Because if he's using the poles, he then he's gun. not he's not yeah, using his gun. gun. Yeah. Yeah. There was no skiing, because 'cause there'd, there'd be no place to put his gun. Yeah. There's a
2: pretty pretty clear hierarchy there because there's no place to put the rifle. Right? You, you, you can, mean you, you mean hang the... up, you can hang up the poles. That's it. You in... can hang up the skis if you want. You mean his blaster. Yeah, whatever.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you mean is what is it like an XMLR seventy six? laser rifle or something that rifle was so two. good they gave it to everybody in the cartoon you get one you get a rifle you get a rifle
0: i, I mean i a believe blaster. it was the xmlr 3a yeah oh there you go well,
4: the, I always called it the mark II, but yeah it's it's the upgrade of flash's rifle plus flash oh, yeah, the without the a i think and then snow job had the, uh, the the a model which yeah this, is the upgrade the flash had the 1a is, one okay one a
0: and then snow and then job the 3A, was three that's the 3A. right that's right i, I all i remember it's it,
4: it, 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 the numbers were different and the reason why they were a difference is that the snow job rifle was an upgrade of the uh which i guess flash had the prototype
2: who got the 2a no uh, way.
4: it must have failed Bumble qa qa Fumbles. must have failed <laughs> sparks shooter shooter god <laughs> One of my most favorite things in my collection is I have a one to one prop of uh Snow Jobs rifle. I love it. Nice.
2: I think I got the seventy-six from uh that's Gung Ho's grenade launcher, right? Uh maybe. Sounds sounds about Man. right. So look it up right up there with Storm Shadow underwear and Rise of Cobra trainer.
0: <laughs> if I had to <laughs> pick one that that oversold what was inside the box, I'd have to say the HAL was probably a far better image on the box than it was in the package.
1: Now the sky striker, that's a really good art piece. That's true. See what I did there, Mike?
0: What's that?
4: She dug one up before you ended the segment.
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah, it, believe me, I understood that at some point we were going to head into the, Oh, Joe Colton's going to meander through four or five of them before we move on. But I got to, I gotta play the cards as they're dealt to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's what happens when we ask her what her favorite something is. It's what happens. She's been doing this a while. <laughs> Next news item. <laughs> well, continuing on our bummer bad news, uh, we also received word in the last month that uh, writer Martin Pasco passed away. As reported by friend of the program and former head writer for Sunbow's G.I. Joe, Buzz Dixon, writer Martin Pasco passed away on May 10 of Natural Causes. Pascoe is credited with writing four episodes of G.I. Joe, all of them memorable. Uh, season one's Operation Mind Menace, which featured Flash and Airborne, battling statues on Easter Island to save Airborne's psionic brother Tommy. That's that's a that's a mouthful right there. Season 2's Cobra-thon, which he co-wrote with Rebecca Parr, perhaps the funniest episode of the series, which featured a bankrupt Cobra running a telethon to raise funds, and most notably, Season 1's two-part epic Worlds Without End, where Steeler learns of the true consequences of the G.I. Joe-Cobra conflict firsthand in an alternate dimension. Pascoe got his start at DC Comics in the 1970s and was soon writing high-profile titles like Superman, Wonder Woman, Saga of Swamp Thing, and Justice League of America. Segwaying in a TV, Pascoe wrote for a live action series, including Buck Rogers, Max Headroom, and the 1980s edition of The Twilight Zone, as well as other animated shows, including Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Batman the Animated Series, the latter of which earned him a Daytime Emmy. Later in his career, Pascoe served as a consultant on the live action DC related television shows like Smallville and Birds of Prey. Pascoe was 65.
1: He's also Canadian.
0: Yes. Like you used to be.
1: Jerk. <laughs> <Sure. laughs>
4: was that, do we know if that's season one Buck Rogers or season two Buck Rogers?
0: I have no idea. Because it matters. Hawk, yeah, was Hawk Cause in it? Because it matters.
4: <laughs> it really matters. <laughs> Season 2 was not one of my favorites. Max Headroom was a lot of fun, though. I remember that. that Max was Headroom on, was a uh, I think was that, a that was on ABC show. back in the late 80s. Yes. It was way ahead of its time.
0: Yeah. I always have a special place in my heart for Worlds Without End, cause it's, or rather for uh, Operation Mind Menace, because it's the one episode where Flash Talks, obviously Worlds Without End is the, the one that everybody remembers him for. It's one of the most memorable episodes of the entire series.
2: They show Joe Skeletons, right? Like it was a big deal, and I was always a fan of it. uh, Aside from it being so different and cutting edge, was Steeler guy. Steeler didn't get a whole lot of screen time or, or, you know, lines. Uh, They made him blonde for some reason, but okay. I rewatched it recently because I remembered how good it was, and the one thing that stuck with me, unfortunately, was when Steelers losing it, like. He's just running in circles with his hands up in the air, like a whammy, maybe. I don't know that part. A whammy. That part lost. That part lost me a little bit. Was, you know, Steeler doing his best reefer madness to, <laughs> you know, really show how screwed up he was. But that was a that was the lone drawback from a really epic two-parter. There were how many two-parters were there?
0: Uh, there were a few in that season one, especially there was that one. There was the, the, the traitor. There was, there's no place like Springfield.
2: I mean, I know there were a lot of the five episode miniseries kind of things, but to me, the, the two parters always stood out because it meant they had too much story to tell, right? Yeah. No way they could jam it in one episode. So the yeah. fact that they focused on Steeler, that it was clearly different in tone, from the whole rest of the animation, and my boy Steeler, right? Who's his girl?
0: Alternate Dimension Baroness.
2: Baroness, right? The only guy not Destro who managed to, you know, now that lock didn't down work the out. T- that didn't work
4: out too well for Duke in the movie, though.
1: Yeah,
0: that's true. Ba- Baroness with good eyesight, no less. Next news item. Dude, dude new listings were found in the walmart inventory systems thanks to tni message board user jt prime 17 do people still use message boards anyways yes
2: they do yeah, yeah dude what's your favorite message board on angel fire and geosities,
3: <laughs>
0: geosities.
4: <laughs> angel fire in that word bell had his first sight yes or geo cities no no he was on angel fire, angel fire.
0: he was on Angel yeah, Fire. right right he, sh- he showed us his horrible gif graphics
4: <laughs> flashing siren gifs yeah
2: <laughs> just fire it up on your old netscape navigator you'll be there as soon as you dial up
0: <laughs> so anyways this jt prime 17 discovered new listings for gi joe classified second wave of figures in Walmart's inventory system with placeholder names Foxtrot, Puma, and Leopard. It is unconfirmed what characters these names will represent. Astute listeners will remember that prior to episode 122, What's on Joe Mind News confirmed Gung-Ho and Cobra Commander as part of the assortment based on reports from independent anonymous sources. So, yeah, no no real news there, just that the the second wave is in the planning stages, which is what we knew already. But good piece of detective work there. Gung Ho, Cobra Commander, and blank. Name their sources, Mike. No. What's your name their source? Name them Bert Brain. and Hal. Uh, and these are
4: the six-inch figures, right?
0: Yes. that's uh, That's okay. G.I. Joe classified, yes. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> you really are out of touch. Next news item. Images were released in conjunction with a GI Joe theme park. The new GI Joe theme park in Malaysia, called GI Joe Adventure Camp, released promotional <laughs> images that used the renderings of characters featured in the GI Joe classified toy line.
4: From the see it, you gotta believe it desk.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> GI Joe Adventure Camp. Man. Uh, the, oh, crap. These images show a classified-style Storm Shadow for the first time. Storm Shadow plays heavily on his 1984 look with some updated gear, but notably includes a Yakuza tattoo on his exposed les- left bicep. Mark Weber, is that what you were talking about before? I was just spitballing, you okay. know. All right. I just got—I got lucky. The full image includes Scarlet, Roadblock, Snake Eyes, Duke, Cobra Commander, Baroness, Destro, Storm Shadow, and a Red Ninja. I was I was waiting for it. Thank you. Thank is is you. that the sound of a
2: happy Joe Colton or of a Red Ninja slipping into unconsciousness? <laughs> that is a sigh of his aspiration right there.
0: A little bit of that Doppler effect. It's the Red Ninja falling off the side of the mountain. Yeah.
4: <laughs> that Star Wars Wilhelm yell. <laughs> you you got to dig that one up now, Mike. Oh. Just gave you more work.
0: There you go. <laughs> but any thoughts there, Mark Weber?
2: Oh, I have a couple. Go ahead. Oh, boy. We figured. Um,
0: At least there won't be anything about a brutal chest cut, but really, we're just challenging thing. him to figure out a way to work it in there.
2: It was. And I don't wanna beat the when I played the game drum too hard. When I worked at McFarland Toys, my job was to big part of my job was to put out content for the fans on our hosted message boards on our homepage, which is lunacy in retrospect, to have your own home pages that you have to defend twenty four seven. But anyway, we put out info daily. Had it was a daily update from the spawn line, from the kind of miscellaneous movie maniacs and, and other toy lines, and from the sports picks lines. So we had to have a nugget of information that to come out for each of those three areas daily. So we squeezed every bit of it out. Here is the packaging for the upcoming Jim Tome figure. Here is a shadow of an upcoming figure. Can you guess who it is? Here is 10 cities that are going to be in our sports lines next year between hockey, basketball, baseball, and football. Guess the athlete. We squeezed every drip of news out of an upcoming figure that we could. And so for a company that is putting some money and some staff behind their Hasbro Pulse online fan-driven site with their Fan First Friday... Thing To have images from an upcoming line that is as yet unannounced leak out on a Malaysian Adventure Park Facebook page <laughs> is so ham-handedly clumsy and an absolute waste that yeah. it is embarrassing that you would let this be how your future figures are getting previewed. The Facebook page is down now, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yes, it is. it is. I just checked it just in case.
2: So either A, the, the camp got canceled, or B, Hasbro went, you can't show that. You got to take it down as though you can put those horses back in the barn.
1: Have you seen some of these, like the layout of the base directory with Things called Joe's Diner, Co Bar, <laughs> uh, First Officer Quarters, Single, Captain's Quarters, Command Center, Hall of Heroes, Stars and Stripes Pool, All Day Dining Area, First Officer Quarters, quote Double, and they're bunk beds.
2: Uh, and like the the whole push for Joe, whether you know whether you agree with it or not. I mean, they've literally been removing the flag from artwork, right? It is not a real American hero anymore, and you can argue about the why, you know, whether that's wise or not. But that is where they're going, and where they've been going since uh, at least since *Rise of Cobra*. And so, to to have a Malaysian park with their stars and stripes area, <laughs> it just—I mean—it couldn't be more disconnected. So. You know, I, I guess I'm I'm the only one who can say redheaded stepchild without sounding offensive. But just tired of this brand that has saved, as as Terry Desard said, that has saved the company from bankruptcy at least twice and maybe three times. The lazy way that it is protected and marketed is maddening. I think for for fans for fans who pay attention. It's frustrating, but for a guy that used to, that was, it used to be his job to do this for a little while, it is just insanely frustrating.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, we're chuckling about it because, frankly, it's it's so preposterous that we're getting any kind of G.I. Joe news from a Malaysian theme park Facebook page. Mm Mm-hmm. The fact that, I mean, whatever that news is, it's more or less irrelevant.
4: <laughs> hey, and Mark, since you're a ginger, if you were to ever go there, that's on the equator. You're just going to burn up the second you walk out. You're, poof, you're gone. Right.
2: You're they, gone. They, they already sent me an invite.
4: And i flames. Said, it's, a tra- it's a trap. It's a trap.
0: He would be sunburned on the plane over.
2: Right. Through the plane, yeah.
0: Aisle seat, fully clothed, wouldn't matter.
2: They'll probably, you know what, they'll probably... uh Sign me up. I'll go over there in a full snake eye, in full snake eyes gear, talking through the lips on my mask and waving a big American flag to help launch classified series two. I'll be <laughs> awful in a fully black gear and under that sun.
3: Oh Ugh. my god! You, so
4: die. Yeah. you might want to take
2: uh, Storm Shadow. I gotta, I gotta work on the guns and get that big ass tattoo. Well, and then we'll worry about the underpants later. Right. <laughs>
1: It's okay, Gary, I'll give you a (laughs) G-string.
0: You can borrow one of his. It's
1: fine. (laughs) That's rare. As long as it's still white.
0: Anyhow, (laughs) does it matter with the old banana hammock? Not really, no.
4: Never mind the stains.
0: (laughs) Not really. (laughs) It's going to be up in a place that's so dark you can't see the stains, so it's okay.
1: So, I have a question. This is ludicrous to even discuss this. But this camp, how are they attracting fans? Who in the right mind is actually going, you know what? Malaysia. That's where the G.I. Joe fans will go. That's where they're at.
0: I, I don't think it's out there for fans in the U.S. I, there must be a sizable fandom in Malaysia. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. no expert on the culture, so I, I got nothing for you there. But, I yeah. Very so. strange. They must have put some money into the marketing on that thing.
1: You have an assumption, I think, my that, friend.
0: That's true, but I mean, it—it's not like, well, we're gonna put out a theme park based on the 1960s comic book strip Henry. You know, it makes—it makes, it makes right. about that much sense. So, whatever. Anyhow, well,
1: there's
0: besides that, flight would suck.
1: Yeah.
4: Sucks. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. absolutely. Oh, you think it's one flight. You're funny.
4: Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> the, 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 the hop from probably LAX to whether you're getting off of Singapore or wherever in oh, Malaysia.
1: Korea. Yeah. That,
4: this this is, that's a, I've been on that flight.
2: It's a bitch. It's a bitch. That flight sucks.
1: Yeah.
2: I think I watched eight movies on it. Like the last four I didn't actively want to watch. But what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, so bad.
1: Drink anything?
4: <laughs> did they did they pony up and uh, send you business or
2: no? Uh, this was actually after after my Hasbro days and my oh, year yeah? at, at Toys State International. Uh-huh. So I I was sandwiched between like a goat I think and and other people's luggage. It was a it was a tight it was a tight fit. And the worst part of it, and I'm not a, I'm a good flyer, but in the middle of the night. And I don't recline my chair ever because I hate it when the guy in front of me reclines his. But I finally managed the all six two two fifty of me to fall asleep, and a guy behind me decides he needs to get up to use the bathroom. And to get him to, to lift his body up vertical, he grabbed my chair and pulled it down. So if yep. you've ever if you've ever woken in more stark terror than the feeling of falling when you fell asleep. An you know, airplane. Uh, Ten hours into a sixteen-hour flight. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man. I. I mean, I. You know, I. I want to play big brave man here. Like I stood up to the guy. I was so, literally terrified that I. I didn't speak for minutes. Like the heart was just through the chest. You don't do that, man.
4: Yeah. When I. When I went over there, the company I was with at least sent me business class, so it was a little bit more bearable. And as soon as you're done with your meal, uh, my doctor even gave me some meds that help you sleep a little bit and just knocked me out. And next thing I know is I'm waking up for the stack they give you before you land. But Ugh. still, that flight sucks. And I don't, and knowing how notoriously cheap Joe fans are here, uh, I don't see very many making that trip, if at all, if it becomes any more than uh, in the idea stage that it is right now.
2: <laughs> it is true that retaliation did pretty good international business. It was the North American business that was really disappointing, because so much of the Walk Up Joe fans were furious after Rise of Cobra, and they weren't going to come back for retaliation, whether or not it had The Rock. But I, yeah, I find it hard to believe that that this is <laughs> this is the spot for our Joe theme park. We're going to hit Malaysia hard. Enjoy. I do
1: enjoy uh, live I, the adventure have, camp. I, yeah. I have been looking at their, uh, packages just out of like curiosity. And I'm like, "These sound really cool, but it's Malaysia. It's going to take forever to get there.
2: You know what though? I'm just going to throw this out there and it might be a great idea or it might just be awesome. Honeymoon.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds like a good place to cap the news.
2: Actually, don't you already have the villa
4: and Sierra Gordo booked?
2: <laughs> or tr- trucial Abysmia? We're doing yeah.
1: two. two. Or ones.
2: benzene <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> don't go to
4: benzene.
0: <laughs> That's the news. Yeah.
4: <laughs> People don't come back from benzene. Right. A certain Joes went and never returned. <laughs>
0: We'd like to take a moment to thank our fine sponsors, AVAX Lab. For high-quality custom heads, weapons, vehicles, and parts for your GI Joe figures, head to avaxlab.com. It's a great place to get a little head. Roma Collectibles, the official vagabond hobo retailer of What's On Joe Mind. Check out romacollectibles.com for their convention schedule. Roma Collectibles is an official retailer for Boss Fight Studio. The Finest. The Finest is the largest G.I. Joe cosplay organization in the U.S. and is regularly represented by our own Joe Colton. The Finest has raised over $70,000 for various military assistance organizations. Find out more and pick up some G.I. Joe cosplay tips and guidelines at thefinestcc.com. 3djoes.com, the online home of our own Carson Metaxas. 3djoes.com offers an in-depth look at G.I. Joe from 1982 to 1994. Check out figures, artwork, books, and more at 3djoes.com. All the Cool Stuff, the official brick-and-mortar retailer of What's on Joe Mind in the UK. All the Cool Stuff has a huge selection of G.I. Joe, Action Force, Transformers, Lego, and more. Check them out in Fordingbridge or at allthecoolstuff.co.uk. Kokomo Toys the official brick-and-mortar retailer of What's On Joe Mind in the U.S. Kokomo Toys is your source for G.I. Joe, Funko Pops, Marvel Legends, Lost Fight Studio, and more. Visit their megastore in Kokomo, Indiana, one hour north of Indianapolis, and online at kokomotoys.com. That brings us to Postdoc, where the listeners get the chance to send us correspondence. You can also send us something at mind at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter at WOJM Podcast, on Instagram at what's on Joe Mind. You can get us on Facebook on our self-titled Facebook page. We got one just like G.I. Joe Adventure Camp. So, anytime. So our first letter via email. Not exactly setting the bar high there, Mike. <sighs> Hey, we probably have more followers on our page than G.I. Joe Adventure Camp has on theirs. Maybe, I don't POSAC. know. I don't know. Those Malaysian fans are crazy crazy. They love they love the G.I. Joe. So via email. Hiya Mikey, Spider, and the Canuck. And Gary too, even though there's no way you could have known you were going to be on. How goes it? Right. It's been a while since I've emailed with any topics of discussion. So here's a few that I thought might be fun to chat about. And he sent us through some true or false statements. True or false, the biggest misconception about G.I. Joe is that it's an American specific brand and that close-minded view has really hindered G.I. Joe being relevant in the modern era. Mark Weber, true or false? False. Care to elaborate?
2: Not that he's off base, but I think the biggest misconception is that GI Joe is a war brand. Its defining characteristic is not war; it's courage. And so I think, you know, internally there's a lot of hand wringing about, oh, do we want to make, you know, toys about soldiers with guns and you know, mm. celebrating war? And that's never. Really been, in my opinion, what GI Joe is truly about.
0: Yeah, they've opened GI Joe up a bit more internationally, and hasn't didn't really seem to hinder anything. So I don't think that's the problem. There, no. I agree. Joe Colton, next one's for you.
1: Yeah. False. (laughs) What? All right. (laughs) (laughs) Because of okay, so it it's like what Mark said. It's also. For me, anyways, it gave me, it showed me at a young age that females could be just as badass as males. You could do the job that they did. And even though you were singled out and a girl, there were girls in G.I. Joe that were more badass than dudes and smarter and could Mm -hmm. lead. So, I don't know.
0: I think, and I was Canadian, so no, false. <laughs> okay. Gary Gonzo. I'll go with
4: false and kind of echo what everyone else said in the group. Uh, not only was it uh, open in an openness and it showed uh, about bravery and courage, uh, but it also showed the power of teamwork. Yeah,
0: and I'm going to make it a clean sweep. Also false for everything they said. Except I, I wasn't a girl, but, or Canadian. But the rest of it, I am totally in step with. Next one, true or false. The G.I. Joe fandom in general has been one of the biggest hindrances to the development of G.I. Joe by refusing to embrace, with very few exceptions, anything that happened after 1987. Mark Weber.
2: I think it's false. There are things that resonated, but they had to be quality. It's a high bar. Like the stuff that they put out, and it's a golden era of Joe for me, at least as a kid who grew up with it. Stuff there are things that resonated and and were super cool. The Dragonhawk out of Sigma Six is something almost everybody bought, even if they adamantly weren't going to collect Sigma Six because it was awesome. So, yep, uh, that was me. That was right. Me. There you yep. go. Me too. Me too. And yep. and it's just that it's a crazy high bar. They were firing on all cylinders in that 82 to 87 era. And the reason why things haven't resonated as well since is it hasn't been a priority for the company that owns it. And the work just has not been as good. Joe Colton.
1: I'm going to agree with El Huncho. (laughs) It's got to be quality. Like the, the golden age was great. There's some things that I liked after eighty seven, but there's a lot of things that I'm just like I'm not gonna spend money on. I just either was the action figure colors or what they were producing or the the head sculpts or anything. Like I just it it was something. Some things I liked and some things I didn't. So
3: yeah, we quality,
1: so. man.
4: Uh two parts on this one. I would say false because, again, it goes back to the quality. But also, uh, how many times can you bring out an F-14? How many times can you bring out uh, an M60-type tank, and then later you bring out an M1A1-looking Abrams, but there's not another one after that? You, you, you Then you would kind of have to develop using your imagination. And sometimes that's a hit and sometimes it's a miss. Like uh, the Valor versus Venom era tank that it look, kind of looked like a hot rod a little bit, but it had some cool features because it shot some projectiles. So that was kind of a hit or miss thing. So we go back to like the jets and, you know, we had this F-14 and we came out with some other ones. And then later on down the line, they came out with an F-16 looking one that was horrible. It, that was not quality. And there's a reason why people skipped on that. Uh, and that's why sometimes it leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. The Apache helicopter, the one that came out later, that leaves a bad taste in, in people's mouth. when you, Especially when you compare that to uh, the Dragonfly. I will say, and Mike and I talked about this last night, the G.I. Joe fandom is their worst enemy. They will go through and tear down vehemently anything they do not like, and they do it behind the power of anonymity on their keyboard. If for some reason that the community is getting to you that much, this is for everybody. It might be time to remove yourself and take a break for a while because it can be that way, and especially in this time and day and age when everyone we're, – we're concerned about our mental health and our mental well-being. We're locked in these houses. There's very few places we can go. You know, We we can't go see our friends. We're not going to work. We're doing everything remotely, and it's kind of impersonal. It kind of drives us nuts. I could see where people might have maybe some mental issues and they might need to unplug themselves. There is no more important health than your mental health, and if you feel like you're not getting enjoyment out of your hobby, remove yourself from it for a little bit, and you'll find yourself on the other side being a lot better.
0: I'm going to echo False, and I'm going to present a list of characters released between 1988 and 1994, characters that the brand was built around in that time. Duke, Snake Eyes, Rock and Roll, Stalker, Scarlet, Cobra Commander, Storm Shadow. It drives down even into the secondary characters, where there's mutt and zap and barbecue and Nothing's been embraced from after 1987, and that probably started in 1988. <laughs> there's, there's, no, that's
4: purely a coincidence.
0: I think the stuff that, like Mark said, the stuff that cleared the bar stuck. But the stuff that didn't, it just didn't. It was just there. I mean, nobody hates on it, it's not like it's not worthy. But it's not going to drive what was there before out of the consciousness. It's just kind of a, a an extra part, a footnote, so to speak. You know, it 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 started even before that. Like you, you're you're some some folks that like '85 is their cutoff because after that they started re- repeating jobs. And so you know, sci-fi, the second Laser Trooper has no place because they already have Flash and Beachhead is a second Ranger. He's got no place because there's already Stalker and Leatherneck is. Is extra because they've already got gung ho. So that line moves a little bit, but you know, yeah, it, a lot of the high notes were hit in '87, and or, or hit by '87, and a lot of the time after that was spent trying to re-hit those high notes. So that that's how it goes. The window was probably never opened so wide as it was for that five or six years. So yeah, that uh, you're. And I you're...
4: we talked about this on the on the show before also that if you're you're looking at the core group of kids that were getting the toys at the time. So let's say you hopped on at 82, I was eight years old. I was born in 74. So if you're, you're looking at kids that started the hobby from 70 to 76, somewhere in there, when you start getting to 87, 88, 89, 90. Now we're getting into an age where our friends maybe stop playing with G.I. Joe and peer pressure causes us to then shift our our focuses of, of what we do with our, our hobby and our spare time, our playtime. Also other things, sports pick up. Girls become interesting. If you're a girl, boys become interesting. Age also kind of removes you from the equation a little bit based upon your interest shifting. Not everyone remains a fan. Some people have. Like I Mike, you're one. Uh, our friend John Cremades is another one. They remained a friend over the entire, or remained a, uh, a fan over the entire run. But there are probably a good number of kids that by 87, 88, 89 are moving up in grades, moving, moving laterally in different interests, and are probably leaving the hobby by the wayside. Granted, most of us all came back when we had a little bit more disposable income and we could pick the stuff back up,
0: but uh, that might have a part to do with it as well sure sure but it, there again it it like I was telling you man I mean I was 75 right and they sold me Duke and Scarlet and snake eyes and my younger brother was born in 79 and they sold him Duke and Scarlet and snake eyes so yeah
4: you made your point on that one yeah, yeah
0: they're just it's they they already rehashed it it was already a, a do-over so to speak so yeah not embracing anything after 87 there there wasn't much different to embrace. Next one, true or false, Hasbro is leaving money on the table by not continuing the club's model and producing high-end box sets of figures using their vast parts library and a handful of newly tooled heads and making them available through Hasbro Pulse. Mark Weber.
2: I think it's it's false, but it's on to something here. If you're talking about making money and, and doing it without bumping the item count too much, and working with a fan base that is small and getting smaller it's not the high-end box sets with a variety of figures it is what they're already doing on pulse a bit where you can buy a whole bunch of aim troopers in limited packaging but you get three for 50 bucks or whatever and i think they're doing it with storm too and they should absolutely be doing it with uh, cobra soldiers or Bats or Crimson Guardsmen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the centers for me that there wasn't a troop builder included in that first wave of G.I. Joe Classified. If you can have a, a troop builder that resonates in your line, it is a gift from God. And Pulse is the perfect way to dive into that and let people army build at a reduced rate where the money's all coming straight to Hasbro. I think it's an absolute no-brainer, but I would do it for troop building, not following the club's model.
0: Joel Colton,
1: I think they are on a on the business side. The FSS figures were amazing. The boxes were good. I I think it was another avenue for them to put out product that they didn't necessarily want to have responsibility for. I guess is that one one way to say it, but yeah, they're they're definitely leaving money on the table i don't know who would take it up now since there is no fun pubs but yeah yes they are leaving money on the table
0: gary
4: got so. true to a point the fss is a good example uh, because those were individual figures and a lot of them they were figures that people were asking for and they could pick and choose if you didn't go with the subscription uh with what you wanted and what you didn't want when he's talking about the box sets I think there seems to really be a number of right around 500 or so fans, give or take a little bit, I don't know on each side, that the club really found the sweet spot in the later years. Because remember, they stopped posting or letting you know, advertising how how many sets the sets were limited to, right? Remember that? But we always seem to think, and, 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 and James Cavanaugh is the one that probably had did the most research on this. It was right around 500 to 650 sets per set. You know, is that enough for Hasbro to go out there and produce and then put on Hasbro Toy Star or or Pulse or whatever it is called now? I, I don't think so. And also on top of that, we already know how expensive those sets were. I've already said it once already, and we've established it on a number of occasions how notoriously cheap Joe fans are. The ones that are willing to spend the money are the ones going to the Joe Con. So they're going to spend the money for the big sets. The ones that are staying home are the ones that aren't going to spend the money, and though and they're the probably ones that are not going to probably buy the box set as well. So.
1: But could you think that maybe that instead of doing the box set, they get the bag instead?
4: I, I don't know how how they do things right now at Hasbro Pulse. I mean maybe maybe transfer that throw this over the mark. I mean is Pulse selling a lot of bagged? sets of
2: figures i'm I, I don't know it that close i know they are selling things and you know the idea that they get to keep all the money from that is certainly helps the bottom line but the what always drove product decisions when i was at hasbro and again that's a couple of years ago now was item count right mm-hmm. it was it wasn't so much this can make money that wasn't the compelling argument it was do you have item count for it
4: and that's and the number of units sold right
2: Item count is simply is it a new figure and even okay. adding new paint to an existing mold or changing the – pack. I guess they let you change the packaging. But uh, one lick of a new paint or deco app, and that's a new item. And to okay. Hasbro, that okay. tooling budget is separate. But from how many toys are we making this year, a brand-new head-to-toe, new-sculpt Unicron three-foot <laughs> statue counts the same – As me reissuing a breaker figure in animation dark blue rather than green. And so it was a weird way to keep track of stuff, but it was the absolute by the book gospel by which products got approved or disapproved was do you have the item count for it? And you would know, and item count would go down during the year. Like they would come around and go, yeah, we got to get 20, we're losing 20 items. So how many can you give up? And the smaller brands always got – even though they had lower item counts, they would come to you first because right. they would rather lose a Joe figure than a Nerf blaster. And I, I get that, absolutely. But, you know, Nerf going down from – or like Transformers would have 200 items a year. When I was on Joe, we would get like four.
3: <laughs>
2: so that's, that's why there were so many re-releases of stuff it was simply to beef out a line where we were not allocated – the item count to build a a credible line of new items, we had to try to figure out which items could be re-released which would still have collector appeal. So that's a big part, I'm sure, of every product decision that comes out of Hasbro, be it Pulse or Mainline.
4: That's that's some really good insight, and I appreciate you sharing that with us because a lot of us kind of speculate but really don't know the facts of what goes on uh, on those type of decisions. Uh, I don't think, though, back answering his question, I don't think box sets would do well on, on Pulse uh, just because based upon the math that we already kind of know already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe smaller bag sets like Joe talked about or, or or like the figure subscription service type stuff, I think that would do well on Pulse. So it's yes and no. Typical answer. Sorry. But go ahead.
0: I'm going false on this one. I think there's a little bit of rose-colored glasses that we think of the club with at this point because it's the first couple of years of feeling that there's just been no product. The club has been kind of the, the, the lifeline for us for similar times in the past, and they weren't there this time. But coming down the stretch, those last couple FSSs, I mean, I skipped them. They were trying to do redos of characters and not really coming close. The new figures, the, the 25th anniversary, if you will, supposed to be improvements on the old line from the 80s and 90s and they were just they were on par with them. I don't want to say that they were worse, but they weren't substantially better, you know. There there weren't characters that had removable helmets or didn't have removable helmets weren't getting those. There was no reason to quote upgrade when you weren't really getting an upgrade. Now, I don't want to take away from the club. I think when the, when the club hit a home run, they really hit a home run. Uh, even in the, the later run, you know, you had a Heart Wrencher and the, the Dreadnought Stinger, and you had Zartan and the bike, and, and there were any number of really great projects that they churned out. But for every one of those, there was one that was kind of a dud, and you just got it because it was part of the set. Tomax and Zaymod in the suits come to mind. They just weren't any good on any level. And, and there's, unfortunately, probably more misses than hits. Or if not more misses, there were more misses and just kind of middle-of-the-road meh reactions than there were hits. So I, I'm i going to go with with false on that because I, I don't know what else they could do that was any more creative. And again, the club, to their credit, they busted their hump to try and get stuff out that was exciting and different and new with a very limited parts library. And and again, all respect to the work that they did. But are they going to buy that from Hasbro Pulse? No, they're probably not. Next one. Uh, true or false. The biggest detriment to G.I. Joe over the past decade has been Hasbro. And it would be better in the hands of a company that was committed to the brand. Mark Weber.
2: So we're all waiting, right? I'm going to drop the hatchet, right? I'm going to go nuts. <laughs> this is here where this
4: is where Mike puts in the gun cocking sound. Because <laughs> right? all that. of us are loading up right now.
2: <laughs> Talk about a, bat, a batting practice uh, fastball. And Hasbro has some culpability here. But no, it's, I think it's paramount. From the first Joe movie from Rise of Cobra, which missed on so many levels, to the delay of retaliation which is what, don't make no mistake about it, which is what killed Joe at mass retail. So not that Hasbro has been a big proponent of their own house-owned brand, and there's nothing more valuable to a big toy company than a house-owned brand that's rolling. But no, I'm going to lay a lot of blame at Paramount's feet over the past
0: decade. Joe Colton.
1: I would say yes and no. No. Hasbro.
0: True or false? True or false?
1: Uh, Pick one.
4: uh, Oh, she could pick both. I wavered.
1: Yeah. Boo. I'm picking both. (laughs) Uh, One, because Hasbro has not been taking care of the brand before the decade, but also I think is lost at what to do with it. And it's just being a neglectful parent. I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to leave it there, and hopefully something happens. I didn't even think about the the Paramount side that Mark brought up, but I don't know. Also, they just don't do anything. Like, Come on, you have a stable brand that has saved your company several times. You don't know what to do with it. That's my
2: risk. It, it has always seemed weird that they are oddly protective of a brand that they choose not to do anything with. Yes. I mean, that's that's changed a bit with the classified line, but they won't license it out, not the figures and vehicles part of it. And yet they don't want to do anything with it. It's, it. It is a weird, weird dichotomy.
1: It's almost like they... Don't want to miss out on some secret that they think they just haven't tapped into, but also don't know what it is, so they're not doing anything.
2: I think they're afraid that somebody else might make it big, and then they would look terrible.
1: They already look terrible.
4: Uh, that ship sailed, Gary yeah. Godso. True. Although, uh, thanks, Mark. Again, I didn't know uh, about the 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 backstory of the Paramount situation, but. Uh, you look at them. They stop and restart. Uh, this is Hasbro. They stop and restart it. They uh, get rid of the staff, hire back more staff. Uh, they cut back the staff. Uh, you know, I talked to some of the folks there, that some of the designers that are on other brands when I was at Hazcon. And they said, yeah, I worked on Joe, but I, I worked on Joe because it was a stepping stone so I could go to Marvel or Transformers. So even internally, it's not even a brand that people really want to work on, I don't think. There might be people that get hired and say, I absolutely want to do G.I. Joe. Maybe Mark's the better one that can answer that one than, than, than what I'm saying because I don't have any fact other than what I've been talking – when I talk to the folks at Hascon. But it even seems like to me that, that it's not even considered a stopping point. It's more of a stepping stone to the next big thing for, for some of the designers of the staff there. And they get rid of staff. They rehire staff. They make staff smaller. What's not going to help is this whole pandemic and the current economic situation. You're going to see more companies shrinking. You're going to see more companies trying to save money because of this thing. I don't think the current situation that we're in is going to be of any help to G.I. Joe whatsoever. And and, and that's across the board for everything.
0: I agree with everything Mark said, but I think that that actually lays at Hasbro's feet. They gave Paramount the keys to the car, like if, if Paramount was a 10-year-old kid. Uh, and then that kid wraps the car around a tree. Well, whose fault is it? It's the one who gave him the keys. Figuring in too that Paramount also killed Joe on television, as Hasbro had a highly rated GI Joe cartoon in Renegades. That you know they can't can't discount that a successful successful cartoon that runs two three seasons wouldn't hurt things, um, especially on their own network. But at the same time, it it is their brand, and the people that they place as caretakers of their brand, it's still their responsibility. So yes, Hasbro has been the biggest detriment to G.I. Joe over the last decade. Not all of that has been in their control. Sure, there's always a what-if in in business. But from mismanagement to apathy, it's not been a good decade. And I, I say that knowing that we get a ton of hits in Southern California and again, no disrespect intended. We're just, we're looking at, we're trying to read the tea leaves here and, and that's what we've got. Last one on this uh, here is that uh, true or false collector shows like the toys that made us are good for the GI Joe brand and Mark Weber.
2: Absolutely. Sure. Toys that made us has been great for any brand that they cover. To to go into it in depth and let people reconnect and you know Netflix is is kind of where it's at especially these days so absolutely nothing but good coming out of being highlighted on the Toys That Made Us
0: Joe Colton
1: Yeah I agree with Mark it's a good jumping off point or jumping on point uh, for people who don't know much about the brand or any brand people like will tune into anything on Netflix nowadays because you're stuck at home and nostalgia hits in and you're like, oh, I remember that. What was that all about? You get some history of it. Yeah, good for the brand.
4: Gary Gotso. Sure, it's good. Mike, has your phone rang on this one? My phone hasn't rang on this one.
0: No, no, it hasn't.
4: Yeah, I. I it, it'd be nice that, uh, you know, some individuals that have spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours uh, producing content for this hobby, uh, maybe would be asked to contribute to these said shows. But no, no, no. no, no. It's okay. Not not bitter. Not, not personal at all. It, I was about
0: to but say, what, what's important is you're not bitter. I'm not bitter. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Just think about robots. It'll be fine.
0: I'm going to make it a clean sweep. It, absolutely true. Anything that sheds a positive light on collecting G.I. Joe toys lends itself to producing more G.I. Joe toys. I think Toys That Made Us and similar programming, uh, you know, we can debate the quality of some of the shows like Toy, Toy Hunter and things like that. But I think it's inspired a wave of folks that simply were not alive the first time. Real American Hero was on the shelves to be really into collecting G.I. Joe. And it's also spurred a lot of folks into that nostalgia phase and so on and so forth. It, I When I hit the shops locally the last six months, or, or I guess before the pandemic, the, the previous six months to that, I saw more people in their 20s looking for specific G.I. Joes and G.I. Joe accessories than, than any other group. Uh, I was the old dude looking for G.I. Joe toys, and it kind of made me sad, but it also kind of made me happy. So it was weird. But yeah, absolutely. Clean sweep, true on that last one. I think he threw that in there just so we'd end on a high note. Anyway, hopefully that's some food for thought. Hopefully it leads to some interesting discussion, or not. I don't care. Leave me alone. Lots of love. Make mine Marvel. Joel McMullen. Crocodile Joel from Australia. So thanks for the letter, Joel. Hopefully we led to some interesting discussion or not. Crikey! <laughs> that brings us to what we got in where we humble brag about stuff we've picked up since the last episode. Mark Weber, what'd you get in?
2: You know, it's, it is one of the coolest things that I've ever gotten Joe-related uh, and not to put too much hyperbole on the front of it, but Sean Tessman and Jesse uh, – I'll say it wrong. I know Wittenrich – I don't know if it's Wittenrich or Wittenreich or Wittenrich, uh, but who worked for the club, uh, have been building customized file cards for fans and people who are involved with the brand. And they reached out to me, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago and said, what's your actual hometown, which is Jamestown, New York, even though I grew up in Bend, Oregon? And they, they didn't say what it was for, but I, I think I could figure it out. And sure enough, I got a, a printed file card in the mail. And they used, my, used the nickname or codename Shark, which was actually a high school nickname and is on my letterman's jacket. So, nice. Uh, they've done this for, for a couple of people. I know Bobby Fowler got one where he was a Steel Brigade commander, which is perfect for Bobby. So just that it was completely unexpected— you know, I don't want to say unnecessary, but there was no reason they had to do this, and they did it, and they included me in it in this round. And I it got was one too. Joe got one too. Okay, so it's well, I'm, if if you Ser- did yeah, seriously? If you, if oh you, my God! If you didn't get one, I'm sure it's in the mail. Um, yeah, I bet it is. But but <laughs> it was really it was really cool, and I appreciate yeah. it. Um, so that was that was you know, I'm not I am. Underplaying it. It was really, really cool, and I was happy about it. The other thing I got in, and I don't play Fortnite, but my old pal, Todd McFarlane, has a seven inch Fortnite figure line. They have a character out named Red Strike, who's pretty cool, even though he's not very red. And he's got a cool leather jacket that fully covers up his brutal chest cut and i'm gonna take some good photos of this and send it along because it's awesome and for now the the legs aren't aren't that good if i'm you know being totally honest about it but the chest cut is completely obscured by a soft kind of abs plastic on the over jacket that this guy's wearing and it's sensational so given that I've been on this soapbox for a couple months now, and a lot of what I hear is, well, that articulation point has to be there. Uh, so you just got to deal with it, Webb. It's just the way it is. No, there's a better way to do it. And it's right in front of you. And it's in my friggin' hands right now. So there is a better way. And for the people who go, it's just the way it is, you know, it has to be this way. Joe had a really good year in 1982, and they came back the next year with a mid-bicep swivel cut that they didn't have to do that made their figures a ton better for posability and playability. So don't feed me this. This is the way it has to be garbage when you've got this thumb-looking, ab crunch, terrible cut in the middle of what's supposed to be fabric on a character like Duke in the classified line. So you're going to dig these pictures. And if you don't dig them, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> Wait till you see this Red Strike figure. It's
0: incredibly good. Cool. Joe Colton, what'd you get in?
1: So I ordered the Baby Yoda from Sideshow. <sighs> and I also pre-ordered the Wonder Woman armor. So I haven't gotten okay. anything in really.
0: Okay. So you're just waiting for stuff.
1: I'm just waiting for stuff right now.
0: Gary Godso, you get anything interesting since you did an episode two years ago? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to reach back man. that far. We'll be here all night. But
4: man, has, has your phone rang on a file card yet?
0: I got nothing, man. Man. nine Nine man, years, we- man. Nine years.
4: Right. We have we have a co-host that got a a, a head sculpt made of them out, out of a for an FSS figure. We have another co-host that had probably a line of fem troopers made after her, and 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 another friend of ours. And then she gets a file card, hundreds of thousands of hours producing content. I don't get one. Mike doesn't get one. Come on, come on,
0: <sighs> come
4: on, man. Fat, fat yeah, dudes sure with microphones don't sell. Sure it is. I'm sure it is uh anyways yeah i've gotten stuff over you know a little while but uh really right now I just with this pandemic and staying at home and we've done uh, a really big job of, of tightening the purse strings here uh right now deb is currently going through schooling because so she wants to do a career change in the it and when she made the decision to do that that was back in uh, november and we had enough savings to take care of. of While she was going through school and then to the point where we kind of ballparked, she would start looking for a job and then this thing showed up and much like everyone else that probably had some savings probably ate into that and the stimulus checks and all the other thing that we get from the government are a joke. They're not going to help we're making ends meet but we're just making ends meet just like a lot of other americans at this you know in the same situation as we are so a lot of that is not buying uh some of the, the the frivolous stuff that i used to go out and and get i did receive today the matter of fact uh star wars black uh the child a little tiny figure uh that, that was kind of cool and i pre-ordered that i think long before this whole pandemic started you know i've got i've started getting into the video gaming a little bit so uh, you know but that's just going on the steam and buying stuff here and there that That would really count. I'm just saying that kind of sitting on a lot of fun, just uh, changing the priorities around uh, so we can make it through this current climate just like
0: everyone else is trying to. Good deal. I got nothing. For a while, I would go to work and go home. And like Gary, I would occasionally get pizza. That's pretty much been the last three months or so. (laughs) Every so often, when it was time to eat, I would get pizza. There you go. I have uh, over the the course of a couple of weeks picked up a few additions to Beach Party '86, my awfully conceived collection of 1986 Beachheads, inspired by Brian Kaufman and Dan Larson. So uh, we're up to twelve. Go team! You can see all that on Instagram at What's on Joe Mind.
2: Twelve figures. How many crotches?
0: Eleven. The the one that was a gift was was did not have a complete crotch. Does he go in the back? I mean, yeah, because he's one of the more recent ones, so he there's nowhere else to put him at the back, but yeah. But not because of shame.
2: He's not inadequate on any level.
0: No, really, because other than that, he's he's in better shape than a couple of the other ones.
2: Like there's You know, a, I could uh, I could use my lazy bastard skills and build uh-huh. one great beachhead out of that uh, DNA.
0: That's true. It's but the I,
2: Serpentor beachhead.
0: Out, out of the 12, there's probably six of them that are really just outstanding. So the need just isn't there to to Frankenstein parts together. It's, it's not necessary. Fair
3: enough. Fair enough.
0: Part of the pleasure of it isn't to get everything pristine. I think part of the fun of it is to have some of them that are complete and some of them that have uh, accessory pack parts and some of them might have some some wonky joints. And, you know, I'm not going to go out and necessarily buy ones that are broken, but if people are going to donate them to me, they're going in the collection. That's
2: part of the story. I get it. Yeah.
0: So it's it's cool.
2: Should that change, though, and this is an open offer, you don't have to commit to it now. I have a pair of sun-kissed windmill legs that I can send you.
0: How solid is the crotch on those?
2: Windmill? Oh, man. (laughs) Strong like wood.
4: Mighty
0: like oak. (laughs) Double entendre right there. Strong like wood. I almost died. Anyways, that's further into that territory than you usually go, Weber. You're usually the choir boy in this bunch.
2: It's getting late.
0: That's true. It is after hours. After hours with Mark the Honcho Weber. Blue Weber comes out after midnight. It sounds like a Skinnaamax show.
2: <laughs> or it's my concho. Come, come to roost. That would be my concho, I'm pretty sure. Available for
4: streaming on HBO Max.
0: <laughs> oh goodness, that's a. Uh... That's it for what we got in. Let's roll into shout outs. Mark Weber, why don't you go ahead and start us off there? I
2: would give a shout out to, my, to the file card guys, but I don't want to make anybody mad. Right. <laughs> I'm, yo, I'm just, yo, by all means, go ahead. Shout them out. I'm just <laughs> well, used to Sean, it. To Sean and Jesse, thank you very much. I appreciated it. Let's give a shout out to Todd McFarland for making this fantastic figure with a great chest cut. Name dropper. Wow, I'm sure Todd's listening. But (laughs) uh, if if you if you haven't been been keeping up with it, I've been beating this drum hard for about I don't know six months that this brutal chest cut is the bane of the six inch figure, and it bothers me to no end because there is a better solution. I, I felt for a long time I felt there had to be a better solution. And now I have it right in my frigging hands. So,
0: so Joe Colton, uh, when, when did they put out images of the Snake Eyes? When was that? The classified Snake Eyes? Yeah, when did, when did those images hit? Three months ago? Four months they, ago?
2: Didn't yeah. they print they printed them on the inside of some Star Wars packaging, right? That got released at the uh, Transformers camp on the moon <laughs> or something as part of their marketing strategy? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so, it's like three months ago, four. Yeah. So
0: it's been three, four months. It's felt like three, four years. And I,
2: I've always
0: felt this way. I felt this way about the 25th anniversary, Joe's.
2: To, especially poor guys like Tripwire or Flash, where they just put it right across their vests. I've always felt this way. But when it, when Joe's six-inch figures came out, it was like, all right, I, I can't stands no more. So we're going to get this fixed. <laughs>
0: Godspeed, sir. Whatever I can do to help you out. There we go. Hey, there's room on the bandwagon. I mean, I suppose I'm already going to produce the the website where you've you've made this your your battle cry. So I suppose I'm already doing my part. But...
2: it will be my main campaign promise in the fall. I promise you. <laughs> so what and have... Mexico's going to pay for it. <laughs>
0: so what other shout out you got mark
2: that's it that's good <laughs> Sean Jesse and Todd
0: there you go a little extra love to piss Gary off some more Joe Colton no 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 no
1: I'm going to also uh, say thank you to Sean and Jesse for my <laughs> file card
3: <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh.
0: Nine years. Nine.
4: Yeah, that's apparently not enough
1: time. This is I l- this is my I like how, understanding either.
2: <laughs> I like how, how Joe and I are, are have been given the opportunity to be super gracious and also assholes at the same time. <laughs> oh Yeah,
4: go on, Joe. Not not bitter. Not <laughs> bitter.
1: I'm. Going to shout out Wes for building and digging holes and building the pergola and helping me out with every crazy idea I've had for the gardens.
0: Good man, good man. That can't be yeah. overstated because if you were left to your own devices on those, you would most assuredly be dead.
1: <laughs> so part of the pergola actually fell on me. Who's surprised
0: by this? <laughs> virtual hands, virtual hands. Mine is down.
1: Um, yeah it was the two of us he's like are you sure we don't need more people I was like no I think it's fine and like he was like screaming to the heavens at one point and he's like we needed more people I was like well social distancing so we have to figure this out <laughs> but yes he he built a lot of the things that I've had I will say cockamamie ideas for and he has remain calm
2: (laughs) there's a term for that you know what enabler
1: No. (laughs) No.
4: (laughs) i thought you were going a completely other direction on that one i'm like oh this is gonna be good
2: it's it's the deuce i threw the deuce
1: no he, he on the way there like on the way to the story he's like i don't think this is gonna work how do you think this is gonna work How did you come up with this? And I explain, and he he just shakes his head and says, like, this is insane. No one would do this. And I'm like, that's where you're wrong. Mm. And a shout-out to my parents, who I miss very, very much, and I get to talk to every day, but usually at this time of the year, my dad has come, visited, and done some stuff around the house with Wes. And then... He has gone back home, and at this point, Mom would have been down here tending to the garden and cooking and, like, building costumes with me and just hanging out. And so it's kind of, like, weird not having them have it visited. So, yeah, those are my shout-outs.
2: Did your parents get their file cards, too? <laughs> yep. I wouldn't be surprised
1: uh, oh, I would like I would like to ha- uh, do a shout out to Gary for coming on and, and hanging out with us for an evening and making us laugh and
0: my pleasure
2: being a
1: tad bitter about file cards
0: <laughs> among other things. Yes, for my shout outs, I'm going to give a shout out to everybody who helped us out with the virtual JoeCon uh, that extends from from you guys as hosts to Arun, who ran a panel to Terry, who was on as a guest, and Joe, and Joe, and all of the Sunbow talent, and Rob, who, for hosting the the Rack Time installment, and Cujo, for being on that with us. And who am, am I missing? Anybody?
2: Yeah, a Hooded Cobra Commander.
0: It's a big <sighs> salute. Well, I was coming to him. Paul Aller was on a, a rune show with us, and for Sarah, for stepping in when Joe was sick. And, uh, of course, you know, like I said, the Sunbow talent, Bill, Arthur, Zach, Morgan, and Brian, all superb and brought their A-games. And Joe Parody even got picked up by a couple of places. We haven't quite seen the bump in downloads from it yet, but we know it's it's been publicized. So we did a good enough job to get some free publicity out of it. So thank you to, to those folks for spreading the word on that one. Huge thanks to... Both of our major fundraising captains, first of which would be Racktime Rob, and second would be Brian Lower, better known as Hooded Cobra Commander, who took to the YouTubes in the last day of Virtual Joe Con's fund Drive to really take the reins and get that last bit of money raised so we could meet our goal. Uh, When it was all said and done, $2,115 was raised for World Central Kitchen. Awesome. And that is uh, a tip of the cap to everybody out there who donated, who spread the word, who you know, shared us on Twitter and Instagram and and, and shared the, the postings of the episodes uh, on Facebook. Everybody who helped in even the tiniest of ways. Uh, I know a lot of folks out there were not able to give. That's fine. Again, just keep spreading the good word. Uh, we love you guys. You're our audience. You've stuck with us for, God knows, nine years now. So... Huge, 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 huge shout-outs to to everybody involved with Virtual Jocon. I needed a couple of weeks off after that, so thanks to everybody for for being patient and waiting for us to to come on back. Shout-out to my folks as well. They're not going to listen to this, but I haven't seen them since Thanksgiving. The way my job was, I did not go home for the holidays, and then after the holidays, pandemic. They live outside of Chicago in northwest Indiana which you know at the beginning of things was a pretty hot spot i'm in st the louis region yeah which i'm in st louis which was not a hot spot at the beginning but most certainly is now just turn on your local news and you'll see some dumbass from the state of missouri doing something dumb in the face of a global pandemic and, uh, you know, shout out to, to you folks at home listening to us. Again, we, we love you. We're uh, happy for or uh, glad to have you along the ride for, for nine years now. I uh, really appreciate your continued listenership and feedback and patronage and all that other good stuff. Gary Godzo.
4: Well, uh, I'm going to brag a little bit on my family, and uh, then I'll get into... Ultimately, will be a list of thank yous and memories and everything that I probably will miss something and forget somebody and I'll regret. But I will try to make it up to you if you just shout out, say, hey, you forgot me, like I'm trying to do with all those other people right now with file cards. Uh, I'll make sure you get recognized. Again, not bitter. Um, first of all, I'm super, super proud of my wife uh, for taking a huge gamble uh, with her career. And deciding to quit a job that she was horribly unhappy at, that even though it paid well, she just could not handle it anymore, and gave it up, and is going to school to go to uh, to start a second career. There's nothing easy about that. I've never done that. Yeah, for for I the record, what
0: it's like. for the record, for everybody else, Debbie was excellent at her previous career, which she hated. So let me let me throw that out there too.
4: Unfortunately, the the pandemic might slow things down and you know she's probably going to spend the first 5 years or so of her career probably earning less than what she did when she was at the bank as she works her way up into the and as it gets more experience and works her way through the IT ranks but it's a huge gamble and i've never had to do that and i understand what type of a decision it was for her and i'm just continuously proud of the work she puts in and and what she's picking up from her education and everything and I, I believe that she will be rewarded someday in a, in a good uh, position in the IT world and, and work her way up from there. So I'm extremely, extremely proud of, of her. With that said, going moving to my daughter, I'm going to brag on my kid. And I know everyone has a kid that they want to brag on. This kid makes school look so easy. She doesn't hardly sweat. I remember when I was in school how some things were so difficult for me. And I had trouble in, in just getting C grades in some certain things. This kid has a 3.712 grade point average right now coming out of her sophomore year, and that's surviving e-learning for pretty pretty much the second half of her entire school year. So that's good. Some kids take the e-learning and some don't. I understand why. And she seemed to thrive, which tells me that she's able to independently work well and solve on problems and not not require a lot of supervision. Uh, And that's good because she will be able to use those skills out into the real world when she gets a job. But she has a 3.712 grade point average. This trimester, she finished with a 3.860. So 3.7 Westfield schools here is an A-minus average. I didn't even get remotely close to those grades. Uh, This kid has it. And uh, I I really hope and um, I'm I'm fighting for every opportunity she gets. She wants to get into the IT world uh, of getting her as much exposure and, and really, uh, the IT world could use, especially with Debbie also wanting to get into as well, it could use uh, some diversification, if you know what I mean. Uh, and they have a long road of hope in front of them because of a lack of that diversification. But I'm knocking down as many barriers as I can to make sure that uh, they have that ability to succeed, just like I had uh, those opportunities to succeed. So extremely proud of Debbie and also Katie. And, and, and Katie, jo- Joe, Katie just loves the hell out of you and she you're you're one of the folks that she looks up to and she always wants to know you know what does miss joe think and what does miss joe what does miss joe say so uh, i'm very
1: yeah. proud of her so you tell her that and i am she needs to keep going she's going to be a very successful young lady
4: so if you don't think you're a role model trust me uh, you <laughs> are a role model so what i get nothing um oh i mean uncle mike's uncle mike right i guess I mean, Uncle Mike's there. It's on prom night. I you know, Uncle Mike come over and even though he he, he knows
0: nothing about guns,
4: he's going to help me clean my gun, right?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I got I can work yeah, I can work so a pipe cleaner. So, yeah, I'm good. Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, we pipe cleaner and you can give the nasty look and that's, you know, that's yeah, that's what Uncle Mike's and uncles do, right? So, okay. Uh I didn't really prepare a lot on this. It's just more memories killing me. I know. You got a week. When <laughs> I know, I I, it, I feel like it comes from the heart better for me and the way I present things. So,
0: go for uh, it, man. I'm just giving you a hard time.
4: I uh, let's see, how many years have we done this out since 2011, right? Yep. And when I forget what message board we were on, but it was me and Greg Schuler and Chuck Emanuelli wanted to do provide more content to the community that was being done at the time, and there was really only one GI Joe podcast going on at the time that was gi joe review gi joe review played a huge role in what this program started off at and then later became uh so a lot of thanks first off we'll start to them they knocked down the initial barriers we just kind of piled through those and carried on when they wanted to move on to other things those guys played in a very important role but really the story is true i've said it many times on the program i really thought that we would go three episodes in and that would be it Because I I didn't know what type of audience would want to listen, if what we were presenting was worth listening to. And then we quickly got, James says, hey, you're doing a good thing. Mike says, hey, uh, sounds good. This this is is something that needs to happen. You know, Justin's like, hey, I want to be a part of this. You start getting the people that come to you and start giving you the feedback. And then you start doing, you provide the content, and then you start seeing the numbers. And the numbers during our during the peak period – and I say with the peak period is when we were doing episodes every week during uh, Rise of Coburn Retaliation period, where we were doing pretty, pretty much episodes every week. The numbers didn't lie. We had thousands of people listening to our program, thousands. We had some uh, – Mike was telling me that we had some people listening to our pro- – more people listening to our program than an average radio station program that his brother, that on uh, the radio station that his brother was working at. So I know that we were having people listen to us. I know that we were having Hasbro listen to us. I know that we had uh, Paramount listen to us because the, the numbers and, and, the, and the stats show us that information. Uh, I know that people were listening to us in Afghanistan. I know that people were listening to us in Iraq, and that's from members serving. That We were bringing them comfort in, in an uncomfortable situation, obviously, and they were listening to us. Uh, one of the funny stories is one of our good friends and regular listeners said we were listening to the program and a firefight just happened to broke out. And he, he was motivated to want to survive the firefight because the last thing he wanted to hear was Gary Godso's voice uh, running through his head. And if I could provide that motivate motiv- motivation for someone to survive a firefight, I will gladly take that.
3: <laughs>
4: so uh, – but the opportunities that this has opened up, that never would have been there otherwise – if it wasn't for the podcast, the fact that I could be on a first name basis with Larry Hama and uh, Kirk Bozigian, that would have just truly blown away. Eight year old Gary got if Gary, eight year old Gary guys have truly knew the roles that those two were playing, what if he would have met them back in the heyday, that would just blown my mind. And to be on a first name basis with them means a ton. You won't know how much that means. It's these guys were basically in the driver's seat for a good portion of my childhood. And uh, there's there's no forgetting that. But because of this opportunity to do this program, I got to speak at JoeCon, like Joe, like uh, uh, Mike said. It, it originally started off as really we, we were doing the program to 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 try to convince more people to go to JoeCon, and then we're a part of JoeCon. Uh, that was rather cool. The celebs that we got to talk to, Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, that that was hilarious interview. Michael Bell. Uh, That was so funny when we were setting him up to speak. He was just sitting there just all blue. I mean, he was cussing and being funny, and it's like, Duke's cussing. I've never heard that before. Uh, (laughs) That was hilarious. Just the number of voice actors that we talked to. And then later we got to do things really cool with those folks, like uh, we got to uh, play fantasy football with Zartan and the voice of Storm Shadow from uh, Renegades. Where would I have got that opportunity otherwise? Nowhere. I don't not just just being part of having this program, doing this program, being part of this program only gave me that opportunity to have the voice of Mindbender, Brian Cummings, come to us and say, hey, you're the reason why, I, you know, I, I started looking up and finding a way to get to Joecon because I, I heard you guys. That's that's huge. That means a lot to actually hear from the guys at Hasbro. It says, you know, while I was listening to what's on Joe mind, I was sculpting this figure. Or I was working on this thing. That's that's huge. That's that means a lot. You know, getting to spend time with uh, and getting to know Gary Head before he died, that's thankful. I, I, without this program, I probably would not have interacted him uh, with him otherwise. Yeah, having Justin and Mike later join the program, I think added a, added a flare. We developed our own sound, our own cadence. The number of people that came up to me that's at JoeCon that says you're the reason. Not me specifically, but listening to what's on Joe Mind's the reason that could you guys convince me to come to JoeCon, that means a lot. Uh, the people that just come up out of the blue at, at Hascon and other shows that says, Hey, I recognize your voice. Mike was typically the one that they always recognize his voice first and rightfully so. But there were some people that, you know, you're Gary, you do what's on your mind. Well you're, you're you know, I've heard your show. Thanks for you know, I appreciate I thank them for listening, but they're like, You're the reason why we're in this hobby more or you're the reason why I decided to come to this show. I didn't plan on any of that when we started the show and that's just um it, it means a lot to hear that type of stuff when you're just doing something that you originally thought would be for fun and last a couple episodes. So lots of thanks to Mike and Justin. There can't be enough thanks for Mike who's really uh, picking this ball up and continuing to run with it. There's no doubt in my mind with uh Uh, what he's doing now and some of the additions that he's made to programming on the channel that uh, it will continue to thrive and and move on for bringing in joe uh, joe is huge i i greatly cherish the time that we got a chance to uh, have her on the show and uh, i hope she continues to plug the program as much as possible unlikely unlikely I appreciate Carson uh, filling in uh, for his uh, involvement and, and having former, former formula one driver, Mark Weber on the program. I mean, that's awesome. So Mark, (laughs) appreciate that. That's really, that's, that's about it. That's what I can think of right now. And when I, when I kind of started putting some, some thoughts together, just thank you. Thank you to, to everybody uh, that allowed me to come into their homes, to be on their commute, to, (laughs) <laughs> be something they listen to in bed god i can't imagine someone listening to us in bed but uh, i'm sure there is somebody out there i thank you uh, for allowing us to uh, be a part of your life whether large or small thank you very much uh, that's what i have to say uh, if i have something else i you know i might throw something up on uh, on facebook or twitter you can follow me on twitter at gary got i'll be doing some i'll be covering like uh, wrestling and uh, be covering some video games and maybe doing some streaming in the future and doing some other things, maybe occasionally coming back, but uh, not very often. And this is in very capable hands. So just having me on just probably lengthens the program. So that's, I think that's what's going to happen. But <laughs> um, thank you very much. Thank you to everybody. Thank you really isn't enough how I feel, uh, but that's um, about the best words I can put it in it because I can't put it in any other words. They just uh, kind of escape me at the moment, uh, but it's truly um, humbling and everything. Yeah. So that's it. Mike, if you want, for old time's sake, I could read us out.
0: Go for it, man.
4: All right. For our co-hosts, Mike, Mark and Joe and signing off for the final time. I'm Gary saying to all of our men and women, first responders and those serving. God bless. Godspeed. Come home safe. Good night, folks. And thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time for the next episode
3: of
0: What's on Joe Mind.
4: Good night, everybody. Thank you very much.
3: Uh, excuse me, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with the action on this piano. Well, I heard about the fella you've been dancing with all over the neighborhood. So why didn't you ask me, baby, or didn't you think I could? Well, I know that the boucleu is out of sight, but the sing a thing tonight.